Lat B, where MMA and UFC get silly. This is the Lat B Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Lat B MMA Podcast. I'm Emmanuel, and as always, my partner in crime, Chaney, letting you know what we're going to get into today. So first, we are going to recap UFC 246, Conor McGregor versus Cowboy. Uh, we are going to fly through the Twitterverse and talk about all the shit that the UFC are, fighters are tweeting about. And then we will break down UFC Raleigh and give you our picks for the Fight Pick Championships. Absolutely Star-studded event we last came from, pay-per-view, first one of the year. We were dry for a whole month. I wanted fights so bad, it clouded my judgment. It gave me one of the worst cards of the year. Coming in low, God, did I shit in bed. Habib would have been proud of me. God, it was a tough night. Were they bad throughout the whole night? Like Entire night. All night. All night long. Woo! I mean, I know we're going to recap it right now and go back through them. Um... I didn't know if it cleaned up for you come the fight pick championships or not. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a lot of mayhem ended up going on beforehand. We had fights falling out. After weigh-ins, Alexa Grasso coming in 5.5 pounds, 5.1 pounds overweight. The commission actually scratched it. Gedalia was ready to fight. But Grasso officially moving up to 125, never trying 15 again. Gadalia doesn't get a fight. That it mess- sucked. That messes up my five big championships. It sure did. I felt like we had a good underdog pick in that, and or we disagreed. You had Alexa Grasso. I switched to Gadalia as oh, well. Oh, see, yep. I thought I liked she was going to grind her out. Even with the five-pound difference, I felt really comfortable about it, and I was really uh, bummed out that that fight card got canceled, and I even feel like... I said to you, I'm so glad this Brian Kelleher fight isn't on our fight pick championships. <laughs> Don't you remember? Yeah. Like, I think it was that fight I was talking about. And when it showed up out of any fight that could have been on there, I was like, huh, well, do you stay with Boom or go with the Tide? I guess we'll talk about it when we get there. But uh, that did not have to be the fight that they swapped it out with. I was bummed out. There but was... the controversy, or it's not even controversy, the real reason that I think is ESPN was like, oh, we got to lose one of our fights. You can have this one. <laughs> really? That was after some of the early week stuff? Gedalia was hot.com. That girl was Did you see her? That was the best version I've ever seen of Gedalia. She looks good. She looked Amazing. Good right now. Definitely keep going, girl. But Dana White coming out afterwards and then people being like, just get her in another fight. And Dana White actually saying, I don't want her to fight right away. She just did a weight cut. She can't turn around and do it again. She's too big of a girl. And it's really interesting how Dana's kind of sticking up for her. How do you feel about the situation so far? Something, to me, the ESPN era of Dana seems like he cares about the fighters more. It's so weird. I, I, I noticed him saying that certain people should retire. And we're, he never said that kind of stuff before. Well, I guess he did, he like, did. Tito and, like, he those paid kind of, But it just Hughes seemed like 
he just seems softer. Like there's something seems a little, uh, I even think the fights that they're making there, they seem to be like, there's big stars coming in and they're not feeding him to the dragon on their second fight. They're like working big fighters up now or watching him get three and four fights, like to work up to a bigger name. Um, I don't know. I think to me, the new era of Dana, maybe it's the billionaire Dana. Maybe it's that, you know, whatever. I don't know what's going on, but he seems like a little softer, especially towards certain people. I I think it's a good idea. I think we've seen fighters that have turned around and done that and taken a fight really quick, uh, get knocked out quick. Right. I it wish definitely... I could pull one out of my <laughs> <laughs> repertoire. So definitely a loss, but... We'll see where Grasso goes at 125 now because she's now a new competitor in that division looking very muscular. So she didn't even try though. At five point something, I was actually ashamed that she brought out the hoop of shame. It's like, you know you're five you pounds know. over. Why are you getting naked? Why are you doing why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> because like, she didn't want to be seven pounds it's, over. <laughs> right. It's like, come out, lady. So we'll see how it goes. I like both ladies moving forward. The other ladies that started off the entire night over in Las Vegas was Sabina Mazo coming in and defeating J.J. Aldridge in a three-round decision. You know I like me some J.J. Aldridge. I thought that left hand was landing all night long. J.J. moving forward, being the pressure fighter, the more countering Mazo in it. Aldridge also had more strikes over the fight. I don't see how J.J. actually lost this fight. I thought this was an easily 29-28, if not 30-27. J.J., judges gave it to Mazo. What did you take away from this first one? I thought it was really close, and if it would have gone either way, I wasn't going to be upset. I actually had Mazo in the fight, so I was excited about it. But um, to me, Mazo, or I'm um, sorry, J.J. was handling the beginning. But the every the, the full last round was uh, Mazo's easily to me, the full last round. And I felt like at least two solid, I'd have to rewatch it all, two solid to three solid minutes of the second round. She started to turn it on and really handle her. The weird part of the first is how uh, pressure fighting JJ was and she throws out so many strikes, which I think it's funny because it's, I, th I don't think you can pick and choose to win, to use the fight metric. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> This should be like one of your unbiased rewatch, girl. I should put it on the list to watch it later on. Sure. I thought that uh, Mazo just looked so sloppy out there, her fighting style, because she was so long and lanky compared to Ald Aldrich. She looked really sharp. and uh, But Aldrich looked worn. It, she did not wear it well. Her cardio seemed to bust. And then she definitely, I th thought she started to get handled. Um, but it was so close, I wouldn't have been upset either way. And then um, it went to my girl. It went to my girl. <laughs> You're a fan of Mazo then. I like Mazo. I still don't like her style, but she got her first win in the UFC, I believe. So that's definitely going to be ladies that are going to just mix up. Alexa Grasso could have either one of them for lunch and uh, welcome her way into the 125-pound division. That's a great idea. I think actually against Aldridge is a perfect idea. Not bad. And Aldridge put on a three-fight losing Because they're both stand-up strikers, right? right? Let's see it. That it, seems like a great fight. It, well, it, Aldridge gonna... will go in for the takedown, but only if she's getting hurt. Right, and Grasso supposedly got better, but that's another fight for another time. I'm ready for it now. Um, this fight would have been better than uh, Holly Holm Pennington on them. It was by <laughs> far better than that, by a mile. They were, they were actually having fun in there. Then we move on to 205 pounds where we have debut in Alexa Kimura 
Kamur coming in against Justin Ledet. Three-round decision. I thought Ledet boxed him up in there. I liked the tactical game plan for Kamur. He didn't blow his load at any point in time in there. So the young man got past a stern test, but Ledet is one of these guys that we've said time and time again should be a heavyweight, not a 205-er. And at 205, I don't think he's a UFC 205 type of a fighter, unfortunately for him. It's just... He's got nothing there for them. Guys yeah. can out, guys can just out, 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 be more athletic than him, and Ledet has that opportunity at heavyweight. Yeah, this was a bummer. I didn't care. I didn't put it anywhere. I was totally not vest, invested in it, even while it was on. <laughs> I stay. I agree. I definitely kept away from this because even in a win, Kamor wasn't worth anything. I think he was around eight thousand uh, seven or nine hundred. So I'm glad we stuck away from that one. Then we moved on. I have to say it aloud so I remember. I need to do a recap uh, image for the YouTube coming going forward. So okay. it has the recap of the last fights and it'll have like Connie Mac on it. And, uh, you know, so everyone knows this. We're not talking about UFC Raleigh yet for the people that are watching at home. So anyway. then we move on to a performance of the night in Drew Dober. Coming in over Nazrat Habkaras, we were torn here at Lat B. I was like, Dober has way more of a shot than people think. Didn't think it was going to be that quick, but Dober really dialing it in there. Showing, I mean, all sorts of handsomeness in there. He's turning into a poster boy for the UFC. Getting all sorts of modeling potential options. But this was, I feel like, 10 strikes unanswered. The ref could have got in there even earlier. Nazrat going stiff. After yeah. a left hand. What do you feel about um, Nazareth? A little too much hype. GSP, that GSP. Everyone, GSP's like, this is the next guy. Is, <laughs> is it almost like the Drake touch? Anytime a Canadian tells you you're a good guy, it messes you up your career. Or they're like, they're, this is the next John Jones. Mm. They just, it just doesn't, it doesn't ever pan out. There's only one. There's only one. Who did Ode as well? He was the next Conor McGregor. <laughs> so now that's the new thing is we don't want the GSP touch. Correct. The we touch of death. Want, yeah. it's a, But Drew Dober looked amazing for what it yes. was in there. But I also felt like Nazrat a little bit. He was being arrogant and cocky and kind of deserved to get caught a little he bit. He hears that hype as much as we do. Yeah. It, it showed a little in there. And... Uh, Drew Dober looking like he looked. He looked like a whole different dude, even in the face. I'm like, is this a clone of Drew Dober? It was. He just looked like Drew Dober's more handsome, better fighter of a brother. Who did? Drew Dober. Looked like who? Drew Dober, a more handsome <laughs> version of Drew Dober. Of Drew, okay, that's where I was like, wait, did I miss it? Didn't he look different a little? Like Drew, He just looked like a more chiseled, better looking version of he himself. He looks like a real life version of American <laughs> Dad. The Seth MacFarlane series, that jaw, where it's like that yeah. quagmire jaw. We talked about it before. So definitely Dober finally getting a name out there. He's going to be somebody to watch for a while. Looking all sorts of nasty. Habcrass, give him anybody in there. Either one of these fighters, give him anyone. But Dude Dober's definitely going to be on people's avoid list. Then we move on to 125 pounds where we had Askar Askarov come in. And in defeating Tim Elliott in a three-round decision, this was also one where Elliott was the fighter that was pressuring a lot more. The first round, he did go stiff for a split second. Oh, yeah. Stayed on his feet and ended up pretty much ending the fight just standing. There was a couple 
ground scrambles, a couple reversals. Tim Elliott actually had, I believe, three throws in there that were pretty mega. Really close fight. I thought you could have given it to Elliott, but the Oh, I did not at all. I thought the striker handled it. The 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 sharper striking was Askarov, and he did land at a little bit more, but Elliott stayed in his face and got takedowns. I know Askarov got takes downs too, and he got gnarly slam on Tim Elliott and had the better hands all the way around. He I did was have excited. Hands. I feel like I hope people give this the credit that it's due going forward with Askarov because he's super dangerous. Like Tim Elliott to hand, I felt like he handled Tim Elliott, and Tim Elliott was so frustrated in there. He ate a couple head kicks, uh, a couple body shots that kept getting him. I thought he was kind of getting picked apart everywhere. Um, I don't know. I, th I think Tim Elliott's, he's one of those guys that'll stop a hype train for sure, but I think he's seen the end of Better the days. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely have so much going on in his out of the cage life that it has been affecting him for a while and uh, need to start paying attention to that. I keep going with my boy Tim Elliott. Yeah. Keep going. And he just. Ask her all though dangerous going forward. Oh, he, for sure. So much improvement from his last fight. And that's what I want to see. I want to see a fighter that looks like right. he grew. Well, uh, Elliott you know, doesn't and hasn't. He doesn't. Yeah, he does he the same like, thing. He looked less emotional four fights ago. And now he looks like he's losing his mind. <laughs> like, it's, it's like a different dude. Like, he's. Or he's just wants so badly to get some kind of hype behind him, even if it's bad hype, so he gets re-signed or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's he, weird. He might get sent back to the minor leagues again for the second time in his UFC career. If it wasn't the 125. Because he will always keep an exciting fight, they might keep him around. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. He's not doing any favors for himself in the style that he's not growing out of mm. in the way that he's doing things. So okay. I agree. Askarov looking good in there. Then we had a fight of the night potential in here with Sadiq Youssef coming in against Andre Touchy Feely. This was a plus money puesta. I had Feely in this thinking he was going to be able to outbox it in there, change some angles up, and uh, feel like Youssef held on. The first round was the most competitive for Feely, but after that, it was pretty much Youssef just kind of walking away with the fight and Feely not making the adjustments he absolutely needed to, where it was more Youssef got caught off in the first round and made the adjustments. I think that it's going to be undersold. Feely is still way better of a fighter and Yusef can do a lot more damage than he was allowed to do in there because Feely still showed good craftsmanship, good ringmanship in there. It was a crafty fight. I think it was a great fight and if Andre Feely is honest going forward, he will say Sodik Yusef hits harder than probably any other person that I've fought and It'll, it should be a testament to Andre Feely staying alive in there and still fighting as well as he did. Sure. Because he took, he ate some shots to me to still keep going. I was like, this. The, it was an awesome fight. I loved it. It was a great fight. I really, really enjoyed this fight as well. Definitely both guys just minute little skills and both of them growing so much. Yusef still being so young in the UFC and Feely is the veteran, but... I love both dudes going forward. Right. Still doing new things in there. If anything, I hope he goes. I don't know what his relationship is with TJ, but if he were to go to Elevation for a while, Feely being a 10th planet. TJ isn't there. He's at his... Oh, his other place? But even then, go. Get, he needs to get out of that alpha male scene for a bit and just keep... Who? Andre Feely? Andre Feely. I think he'd do the better. He needs to grow a little bit. Yep. Yeah, there needs to be... Um, a little movement yeah. in his in his camps, potentially. Like 
Then we move on to the preliminary headlining card where we had Roxanne Modafferi coming in as the biggest underdog of the year over Macy, the future barber. Oh, what a cloudy future ahead for the no longer youngest champ of all time. Because that was one of the biggest things she was hanging her hat on. And uh, Roxanne Modafferi put it right in the back seat. Shut up, Macy. Get in the back of the line. Take your ACL and go heal up, girl. Congratulations, Roxanne Modafferi. And do I have to say, at Juice, Fighting With Myself podcast, the only person I heard taking Roxanne and not giving two shits about it. It came through. It came through. I felt like I gave Roxanne tons of credit on air. And I said she could grind her out and take this all the way to the end. And I hope that Macy lays enough shots. to. I had Macy Barber by decision, hoping that she could lay enough shots. All that being said, Roxanne Montefiore in this fight, the way she looked in this fight, and I don't know if it says like, oh, Macy Barber is not even worth it, but... I think Macy Barber still is worth it. This shows that she has to work on her ground game. She has some holes in her thing, blah, 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 blah. But it shows that Roxanne Modafferi, dare I say, I want to see her fight the bullet. No way. Not yet. But I think that I want to see her fight like a strong wrestler first, maybe like a piña and I, and then go and fight the bullet. I just, I'm impressed by that. I thought her victory, she can take a shot. She had a well-crafted game plan. I felt like her ring IQ in there was top notch. She did everything right, uh, set it up so she could take rest where she needed to, kept all the exchanges were beautiful. I, I don't know. I was so impressed with Roxanne. And I don't know if it just says, oh, well, Macy Barber's garbage. Or if it's that Roxanne really does have more martial arts experience than Macy had. It's worth age. something. It's worth something in there. I did like the striking from Roxanne. It definitely was the better striking I've ever seen her throw. Mm-hmm. The least looping, more on the shot. She didn't get hit by anything. She was backing out at good she times. She was doing really well. Checking. But you gotta say, that ACL, that she had to have had that. No, I can't make excuses for Macy Barber, but there's a lot of fighters that turn something I early on in ACL, camp. But- Fucking five, six minutes of that fight before the before ACL. Roxanne was handling the... it. Could have 10 8 the first round but, still. Like, but let's ugh, say handling it. Let's say that that ACL was hanging on by a thread because of the week before, and Macy's like, I don't care, I can beat her without it. And then once she got in there, she's like, Oh shit, I can't move. And Roxanne looks like freaking Anderson Silva in there for a bit. <laughs> because this know. girl's got I a mean, bad injury. How do you feel about the Kanye West moment at the end? I mean, Macy Barber taking the mic from Joe Rogan, being like, I'm sorry. It's okay. Well, at least I'm, <laughs> I'm glad she's humble and didn't run off like and do the Ronda Rousey thing. Like, and oh, say, okay. oh, I learned a lot here. I'm ready. You know, she's a kid. She every All of her actions up to this point and even that were like, let me take this moment. Like, she's a kid. Um, but... Uh, if you want to give her an excuse, like maybe her ACL tore on the walk-in. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm giving her Roxy her full, her body, she Roxy's body she from top it. to bottom. Plus, she looked great. The, the extra part, because we always talk how this is an entertainment sport, she gave us that at the weigh-ins and Love pulled her it. own corny shit and like, you know, anime shit. And then to take it to the next level, she got this fight on Twitter. She got this fight. She handpicked her fight. And I think from this point forward, she was the head preliminary card. I just, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would, I, I will bet this year we see Monteferi versus Shevchenko. 
if Shevchenko fights two fights. I think it could get dangerous because Shevchenko wants that Amanda Nunes fight again. And so if UFC wants to set up something big for fight week or whatever, and she's fighting Chukagian coming up um, anyway. Right. Uh, but I wouldn't doubt it. I think Monteferi could get one good fight and be a fight away. I could say 2021 because I don't. the bullet only fights like twice a year. Ugh. What a travesty that is. Yeah. So, interesting in the division. I love This Roxy. shakes it up. I love Roxy as well. I'm not taking anything away from her. What's she earned the, it. What's she that, earned it. What's the blonde fighter that I liked for a while with the hair that looked like mine when I had the blonde hair? She's tall as fuck. She... Jason? Yeah. Macy, Macy Jason. I knew it was is. a Macy. And I was like, oh, I liked her. And then I one time uh, thought, like, is that my ego? Do I just like her because we resemble each other? But that is what I think Juice likes so much about Roxanne because that could be his kin. <laughs> that could be his kin. <laughs> they could be related. Un unadopted. I'm, I'm fraternal waiting for twin. Roxanne Monteferi. If she, you know what, Roxanne Monteferi? I'm going to say it here. She should walk out to fighting with myself. Fighting to... Or uh, dancing with myself. She should walk out to that song. Wow. She listens to Juice. Wow. Who else stayed on that bandwagon? I'm just saying. I don't... I know nobody. Nobody but Juice. He was the only one. Congratulations. Like, I, I've been on the bullet train since she lost to Amanda. Like, the OG. Like, sure. I love that bitch since the beginning. But that is different than being on this train from the beginning. Yeah, I agree. So, and... Well, not or, from the beginning. But for but. me, and to show up, though. For the girl to show up. Like, I don't know. I loved it. I'm excited about Roxanne Monteferi. And I hope Macy Barber and getting a little ass woman, that's that'll make her a champion one day. I agree. This will make her a better fighter than her getting a win ever She should ever go train with Roxanne. Well, she needs to heal up that flat. leg. She needs to heal up oh, that yeah, leg. She ain't got no ACL. Year. Roxanne took that with her. Woo. You're going to find out tomorrow she didn't hurt anything in her knee. No, they already <laughs> did. A thing. Yeah, it's gone. She ain't got shit. Oh, the doctor, by the way, checking in there. Human MRI. How do you feel about that during the first and second oh, round? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. That was bullshit. The human MRI. All right, she's good. No, 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 no. No, come on, dude. Well, what the fuck? this is what shouldn't have happened. You just told uh, her opponent that she had an injury that the opponent might not have known about. Well, Roxanne actually said she backed off of that when because she felt bad. She knew she was hurt and she didn't want to attack that leg when she should have. Uh, but yeah. hey, if you're that's where I don't like at the Dragon Ball Z because Dragon Ball Z Vegeta he's taking that shot. Majambu they're taking that shot. That gets in all that deep, deep. She's the over nine thousand. There was not one point though ever that uh, Roxanne was in trouble. You could have nope. thirty twenty six that fight. Easy. I think it. I, one I, judge did give it to I think there was I tweeted one it out, and then one judge was like, "Weak neck, baby, right?" right. <laughs> was it was it Adelaide Bird? Because that started. <laughs> How see, dare you? That was sir. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> she did start off with me losing that JJ fight. When I heard Adelaide Bird, I was like, "I'm fucked." There goes my night. Adelaide Bird being in there with riding him on her Porsche. Guess who had the most money other than Juice? Adelaide Bird, Roxanne Montefiore. Just saying, look into it. Let me conspiracy. I know. If you bet the house on Roxanne. Woo! Did you see uh, Dan Balzerian bet the house on Cowboy Cerrone? Oh, my gosh. Did you see that? No. His literally table full of money, but we'll get there. That, okay. that was definitely one. Into the Fight Big Championships. Where it's worth all of the beans. 
we got into a five card pay-per-view. We got switched in. So do we want to talk how we did right now? On the Fight Big Championship? Yeah. Yeah. Disclosure. Uh, I came in third. But I feel like I had so many. I don't know anyone. I at least tied for the most right picks. I just didn't get the points right. That's like I, got, I think I got four or five of the fights right. Nice. I only went two of five in it over the night. Two of nine. My worst fight ah! card of the year. I'm glad the two were at least on the fight picture. <laughs> the only time it mattered. But it was my year. worst showing of the year. <laughs> we can only go up from here. Yeah, that's that's it. it. That's absolutely that's it. So it. got it out of the way. It definitely hurt. It hurt a lot, but this ended up costing us I a whole extra. I didn't do great. I did six of 11. It was all, everybody. I slayed, 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 slayed fight pick championship. I, anytime I finish in third or any, with my main card, I slay. I Those TV cards always save it, save it, save it. Anyways. Oh, I definitely shit in bus <laughs> everywhere. So I had to go spend all my money somewhere else. Then we ended up having the first fight on the pay-per-view. It ended up being $75, $79. How much was this pay-per-view? Because it wasn't the same old $65. It's like, well, no, it's like $69.99. And then really in small print, it's like in whatever taxes and fees and blickety-blockety-blue or whatever. So it ends up being like $75 That's or what something. I think. Yep, exactly. So it was an... Ins interesting one but i do love seeing my boy ferrera we all thought he was going to come through i was thinking it was going to be a tko round number three he got a submission round number two going to the ground with pettis that's where i think uh he definitely pettis already gave up by this point we knew we knew before he got off the chair that his little ego was squashed he didn't think he was going to go in there and get handled the way that he did and we already knew it was shortcomings from there like, we knew it. It wasn't going the distance before the, he That's got off the That's why we story. both had a, a finish in that fight, did we not? I wish I had a finish. I had a decision, Fiera. Oh, dang. But no, we both knew he was going to finish in the, while we were watching. Oh, it, easy. Easy, easy. That was one-way traffic all Ferreira. Now his name's finally getting out there. You know we've been long rider dies for a very long time. It's going to be hard to get any plus money, I feel like, on Ferreira from this point out, unless he's fighting those top... Well, I mean, Pettis at 155 is in that top 10. What does this make the They're going to be talking shit like, oh, Pettis is over, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, so I there I think against a bigger name, I still think nobody but hardcores know who Diego is. I think Pettis is a big enough name now that they're like, I know well, he is, but I don't know if people have Do you that. respect it like you're saying, yeah. right, where they're like, oh, he's done. So if there's any type of plus money by Ferreira... It's gonna, you know, you know what we doing over here. You, you got ninety yeah, percent yeah. chance of knowing what's going on. So, Ferreira, anybody, Pettis, anybody, but it's probably time to go, my friend. Please, yeah. it's just not looking good yeah. for you no more. Then we move on to one hundred and thirty-five pounds, where Brian Kelleher comes in as a big underdog against debuting Ode Osborne. Ode, Ode. Submission around number one, guillotine. He was tapping with his feet in there. He got it in so tight. Kelleher's staying in his face. Tried to tell you guys. Trying to tell you. Should have went with that. I ended up switching back over to Ode. Was this like, I don't like all this singing stuff. Kelleher uh, just coming out there and uh, taking a little bit of shine away from my girl, KK, Karolina Kovalkiewicz giving out props to Gamebred after the fight, being like, oh, 
I look up to you, homeboy. I look up to you. And it's like, that's, that's my girl, KK Stans. Come on, man. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Uh, Brian Kelleher looked good out there. I had Brian Kelleher submission, and it paid off because he was so cheap on DraftKings, yep. and I had him everywhere. I was actually kind of frightened when the fight started, when I was looking through my cards, like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but who's O'Day? Uh, I like the amount of time Kelleher took, takes off. I think he's one of those guys on a win that he's like, I'll take a fight tomorrow. Yeah. Where, no, dude, take six months. Heal all the way. I think we're seeing that... The ring rust, yeah, it might be true, but healing your body might be more important. Healing your brain, healing all of your hands, healing your going in injury free might be more important. So, Kelleher, I still like Boom. It depends on how much time he takes off in between. Definitely. And I'm glad he got on the main card and showed out. He was on the fight of the night performance. Is he got him. fifty grand? Didn't Good he? on him for he, being it an was underdog. Like his time to shine. Definitely, well deserved win in there. Osborne, lower guys, yeah, he's going to be able to beat, but he def definitely didn't get any layup shots with Kelleher in there. And uh, anyone who was on Kelleher, good job. Boom. Then we move on to Alexi Olenek coming in over Maurice Green. Submission, round number two. I had Green finish him in and won. There was fun exchanges in there, some fun leg kicks, some knockdowns. As soon as it started to get to the ground and Maurice Green was like, oh, I'm going to Kimura him, I'm like, it's over. Yeah, you're going to Kimura, Alexi Olenek, you doofus. You damn doofus. Get out of there. He couldn't get back up, obviously. He almost got cranked out like Josh Barnett. And uh, we'll use it in wrestling as a pinning combination, but it's a horrible neck crank, Ari chest Green crank. didn't do anything good in there. Alexi <laughs> Olenek held him for two full rounds yep. until he finally submitted him. I don't even I was like, oh, no, his arms are burnt out. I hope he gets him down yep. again. And then he was like almost pissed at himself that he couldn't get the submission before. So then he just went to the next one. Um you should have listened to me about this too. Olenek I submission. I should have if I had the round swapped, Olenek round two, Kelleher round one. Slay, 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 slay. But definitely we'll take what we can get out here. Yeah. So Olenek absolutely gassed, but he is in every single fight. It's the heavyweight division. Green's on a three fight losing streak. Do you think he gets his walking papers or does he keep fighting in the heavyweight division? Heavyweight. He gets five fights around. in a right. He can have four in a row yeah. before that happens. So he'll like probably lose three more times and then he'll get a flash knockout. Right. I like the weigh-ins for Green because I thought he looked more physically fit than he had in any previous fight as well. I mean, how can he um you expect him to win when he was like he was looking at Joe Rogan with one eye, looking at Olenek with the other. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. He couldn't see that submission coming. <laughs> Definitely. He didn't uh, even get a chance. I thought there were some strikes in there that uh, Olenek, I just think anybody can put him out if they realize. Let me uppercut and knee this guy. I'm going to have anyone against... I'm still going to have Alexi Olenek against anyone that doesn't have a formidable ground game. Ground game. Any like, type that of we ground. haven't seen or any of these guys. If they were on the Contender Series, I will have Alexi Olenek against them. <laughs> oh, I love that. Unless it's been like enough fights that the contender series doesn't show up anymore right, in like their five fights. fights yeah, in. then that's, you know. So, I haven't seen 
to me, we kind of laughed about it earlier. The bet of the night, how we do a no something, all something, it should have been no contender series. If you went no contender series fighter on this fight card, you would have done awesome because you wouldn't have picked Macy Barber. You wouldn't have picked Oday. You wouldn't have picked, or you know, wait, because the one dude did beat. Uh, oh, Kamor. Kamor. Yeah. Beat Ledette. Yeah, so. that would have been the only one. But get Ledette out of there. Stop putting him in my even path. I don't want to pick Ledette ever again. <laughs> I agree. It's time if he doesn't move up to heavyweight. Then Green we... versus Ledette. But Ledette's a 205er. Make a move up to 265. He's the only guy where you're like, no, dude. I'll pick no. Murray's. Because he can still looks like he's an 85 or does That'll Ledette. be the fight he ruins for me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Then Speaking we go of. on to the most exciting fight of the night. This one a performance bonus or two, did it not? In Holly Holm versus Raquel Pennington 2. The fight we didn't need to see. I mean, this killed any type of hype going into that main event. The crowd was booing nonstop. Raquel Pennington, who I thought was going to make the change from the first fight, did not at all. Holly well, she Holm, couldn't make the change from the first fight because she was just held up against the cage all day. We couldn't even see it. But Raquel was complaining about that. And then I saw her in the third round pummeling into the cage. And I'm like, what are you doing, Raquel? What are you doing? So the fact that... And then like Holly there was just times. turns her around. Every time. Holds her back up against there. Holly looks stronger and older than ever before. I was saying older than ever before, but at 38, I want to look like her. I'm just saying right now, I want to look like Holly Hope. Unbelievable genetics that are going on over there. Her was, body. <sighs> unreal. 38 years old. I just couldn't get over the embeddeds on how... John Jones has been laying it down so good. <laughs> They're in the tough house and all uh, the jerseys are up and Holly Holmes like, there's John, let me take a picture. He'll like that, I'll show him. Like that's girlfriend shit. That's that girl. <laughs> that's girl that does that. That She works out, she rolls with you. I'm just saying, uh, there is going to be a book, an autobiography and Holly Holmes is going to be like. It's going to be called Two Abortions. <laughs> Insane. Boom. <laughs> that was called a Brian. I should, Brian Kelleher. <laughs> <laughs> so. Rocky Pennington, ain't my type, cute AF, uh, didn't do shit. Didn't do shit. And she had a belly. Is that just she, me? Uh, she always looks sexy AF at like the real weigh-ins. And then it's like all her wadi, water weight must be right there in her little pouch. Mm. But I think ladies just get below their belly button. That's because a baby's supposed to go in there. So it's like, here's all this extra skin that nature gives you just in case you ever need to stretch out to the size of a beach ball and hold a human inside there. Interesting. I know nothing There's of it, but... a little lesson. Some ladies, though, they can have like 18 kids and they're little AF, but they're like little AF always their whole lives. Right. Crazy, absolutely. So both of these <laughs> ladies definitely not going to be on that train at 38 for Holly Holm. And with that many steroids, <laughs> those they, that them, them raisins in there, they ain't Her no dicks worries. Shrunk. <laughs> 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 Boom. <laughs> then we move on to the main event of the evening where we had oh, what a shit fight Conor Sorry. McGregor it was garbage that's why I was like was right, that so was the best bad. that best we said about it that was the best it. part about yeah. it is those two jokes yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> so Stupid. then we have Conor McGregor he's back 
He's back for a hand-picked fight that we told you guys. There's no way you can pick Donald Cerrone in this. Talking about he wants to strike. He went in there, dodged the first punch, and then almost got kneed in the face. Then Donald Cerrone threw a kick. They, or no, they interlocked shoulder strikes, which Conor McGregor invented. Did you know nobody's thrown a shoulder strike since, you know, like John Jones when he started fighting, Nick Marquardt, freaking anybody who's anyone who knows about shoulder pressure. So he did bust Cerrone's nose. Um, he did do different kind of shoulder strike than anyone before. If you ever look at any of the taller guys' shoulder strikes, they like, it's with their shoulder in the left, left half of their body and they're kind of like leaning into it. Connor actually jumps and gets air. If you watch him Look at Gunny it, Nelson. Like he jumps into them with his shoulder. Gunny Nelson will do that on the cage as well, where he'll throw that shoulder when they're flattened up against the cage. Um, but it's... But what... I thought what happened, though, was Donald Cerrone ducks the first punch and McGregor just comes in super hot. But even uh, McGregor's right thigh gives Donald enough force that when they clench up, um, there's no space between them. So then the nose, on the second one, he breaks his nose. Breaks the his shoulder nose. Strike. Second one, he breaks his nose. And um, then he still does two more after that. Right. I think at that point, Donald's completely like Wobbled. discombobulated. And then he... Roundhouse kicks him. Like he gets a kick in, left, a head kick on left Donald Cerrone. And then uh, knee to the body and then chews him to Ground pieces. and pound, ground and pound, which finishes it in there. I like to think, not, I can't take much away, but a lot of pro fighters since this have been saying, like, yeah, I get hit with those shots every day in practice. It doesn't break my face. But as we were saying with Cowboy Cerrone, he just ate elbows. Four months ago, six months ago from Tony, and before that he got knocked out against Gaethje. It's just like that face no, was already wasn't shattered. It just recent that we saw Donald Cerrone with one of those fucked up Mike Perry faces. The eyeball. Be no, before the eyeball. Didn't what? Didn't he do something? Who? Somebody shattered his fucking nose, and it was all the way on the side. Was it Darren Till? For Cerrone? Yeah, he had one. Uh, I think it was Darren Till fight. Um, that it was one of those things where it was like, damn, where, where he posted a picture, where Donald Cowboy posted a picture of it afterward on his Instagram and was like, you fucked me up. Wow. Like, it was one of those crazy, like, the doctor didn't let it go on. It kind of stopped right. really quickly afterwards. But that's kind of, I'm like, I always say, once they're, once your nose is all fucked up, it's it changes the game. Yeah, it's a weak you're of a glass nose. So you decide, let me be Dan Henderson and not do anything to this fucker and let it just turn to rubber if I want to keep doing this. But once you get it fixed, you Misha Tate yourself. Right. You it, cannot get that shit fixed. You can't. Ronda Rousey even. I think that first strike from Amanda, yeah, Amanda hits hard, but I think she had her face fixed. <laughs> right. We've said it long and, long and hard here. Cowboy... Saying he's still going to keep fighting. He's not going anywhere. The workup. The whole Conor McGregor is back. How did you feel about everything going in? I didn't like anything I was seeing from Cowboy. I thought there was a limp. I think he's only showing that he's getting older and older. I feel like the I best... I would like to see a year off for Cowboy. If at least. If he wants to talk about fighting again. Um, he has a skill set enough that's awesome. Uh, I don't want to tell Donald. He seems like still kind of capable in there. Uh, I do think he's set up different. I do think he might be able to take that time. Uh, I think yep. in a weird way, Conor McGregor, as much as it was a hand-picked fight, 
I think he did respect Donald Cerrone and wanted to give him that kind of paycheck. I think when we first saw Donald's kid come into the octagon, that's when Connor, we first saw these fights, the Twitter talk between them happen. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do think that, um, and like the Budweiser and the proper, mm -hmm. ha, 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 but I do think there's something about it. Yeah, I think it was hand-picked, but there's easier fights he could have picked. He could have picked Pettis. I think this was a pretty easy fight, especially with the last two know. fights he had. I People feel like the are best. Saying it was fake, and I don't think Cowboy would ever do that. I don't think Cowboy ever would as well. And but this is not to say that I don't think there's fake fights, because if you listen to the show, there's hella fake fights. There's been UFC fighters caught in North South Korea that fake fights that took money to take dives, so you can't say there isn't. But I don't think this one was because Donald Cerrone will take an ass whooping for. Uh, that amount of paycheck and he's all about that i feel like the lost opportunity in it all was at weak neck baby throwing out why don't they have both of the boys squaring off because that would have been a hell of a shot so grandma cerrone hug did nothing for you not one bit and connor in the post fight presser being like i like donald i didn't have ill will toward him there was nothing to say that was i, I like all of that but it doesn't do anything for me it ain't no triple c talk so what do you think, Connor? What do you think's next? And he's got the still the cards in his hand. What do you think's next? Oh, so there's so many. They're saying it. Gaethje, he's waiting for Habib. I, the only people I see saying Gaethje are like Luke Thomas over and over again. Right. And maybe they keep trying to get Gaethje's name in it. But nowhere is his name in the top, real talks. Everyone's saying Masvidal for the BMF belt. That's the one I've been seeing most people clamoring for. Like, over 50% are like... I know I want... Usman's trying to get his name in there. But, but he has a broken hand. Yeah, and it doesn't even cast. make sense. Like, it doesn't even make sense. I totally agree. Um, so, what I loved where I heard, I can't think of who was saying it, but what I do see potentially happening here, because they're both 70-55ers, is the BMF belt turns into the 165 belt, and Connor goes for the BMF 65 and they create that division with that belt and then eventually it just turns into the 65 belt. I think it in a weird way it's like the BMF existing and Connor will be like I want that belt too and he'll make sure he gets one. Then he then he becomes the weight division weight division with the BMF and then he has a belt to walk into against Khabib for a fight in Moscow. So do you think the 65 165 is a good or not cuz I love that I'm call. To I'm love down with that any of the weight classes and it should have been done to begin with. Once Nate kind of called your bluff and you made a fucking belt for it. Dude, you might as well just made the division. It literally makes no sense. There's enough fighters coming up and if guys can meet at the middle and then guess what else you'll see? Once uh, Usman won't be fighting at 165 ever. That guy can't cut another pound, but there's other it doesn't do anything to that division. Colby might be able to cut the extra but i don't think he can either there's a couple of guys that are big huge dudes you won't see maya down there if you wanted to do it smart i feel like you would turn the bmf into the 65 and you'd say all right now our welterweight is 75 we're also creating an 85 or no there already is an 85 and maybe you create that 95 i know i, I think Woo! totally too but i don't i dream <laughs> but um i kind of think it's more fun keeping it the bmf it, it it takes it out of weight divisions. It just takes it out of whatever we agree on. It's like, whatever, I'll fight you at 200. You want to fight at 200? Fine. 
Like, I just think it makes okay. it, like, I don't know. It just okay. makes it interesting. Intr- it makes so, it interesting. Do you think, um, I know everybody's like, oh, Jorge will walk through Connor. I don't think so. I feel like Nate should show you that Jorge won't walk through Connor. Oof. I think that it is a competitive matchup, but I do think Jorge's a lot bigger than even... They both fought at 155. And 70. And 70. Like, exactly. It's all the same. Yeah, it is. And I'd Cowboy see it. I'd was watch. bigger. I'd pay Cowboy to watch it. was bigger. I bet you that uh, Jorge's smaller than Cowboy, like height-wise. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm interested in it. You got me. You got me. But I'm excited Connor's back. I'm, I'm I glad. Am th- I hope the allegations, they're totally still there. That's what it's like the elephant in the room that we can all like avoid it. How do you feel at the press conference, the guy asking and Dana White and Donald Cerrone are like, he already answered those questions. Leave him alone. Like everybody in the room was like, boo, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, your comment. And he's like, I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> How do you, that was I weird. Know. I thought it was, was just weird. like, oh my gosh. What is this, your rape posse? (laughs) (laughs) Like, he can speak for himself or be like, those allegations are up in Ireland and I didn't do any. He could proclaim your innocence. Do something. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. I'm not allowed to speak about it. There's a trial going on in Ireland. Okay, thank (laughs) you. Allegedly. 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 And the one last thing we can talk about, D. Devlin. Follow her on Instagram. She looks slain. I liked her bright green. She does seem to like that pattern. It makes me think that she has a clothing line or Connor does for women or she wears a... But you can find her in that green tie-dyed pattern on other dresses in the past. Uh, but I have a theory that fights that D's not at, Connor doesn't win. That's my theory. Look into it. Ooh. Someone proved me wrong if you can find it. But I think he, um, D, was pregnant and missed, like, a couple of the fights in between. And I would be willing to say they were the fights he lost. So, I think D Devlin is the lucky charm for Conor McDermott. Definitely a B-level, B-minus-level pay-per-view for me in my eyes as far as rating. Because it was a pay-per-view, i got to be real honest. That's a C pay-per-view. I was going to say C, but then I had Ferreira, who I like. Because we're not casuals. I like the Linux. I love high, uh, uh, But that Holly Holm or Kel Pennington <gasps> shot it down a whole grade. And the Kelleher jumping on there at the end. Uh, that made it good. Like, that made it good. It was a good fight, but it wasn't a, a pay-per-view. Per view. It was nope. a good fight night. So, yeah, I didn't think so overall. I um, am kind of... Whatever, whatever, UFC 246. I'm glad Connor's back. I want Cowboy to heal. I don't take anything else from that. Agreed. Agreed, <laughs> agreed. It doesn't do nothing so, else for me. Are we going to fly through the Twitterverse? We are. What do you have to say? I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess there has been some stuff. Um, excuse me, I'll burp into the mic. Con- Connor or um, Usman's calling like uh, game bread uh, journeyman and like, oh, people think I'm ducking you and blah, blah, blah. And I don't think the BMF fight has anything to do with the 170 title. Get it out of your heads. Get it out of your Correct. heads, everyone. Just because they happen to pick this weight, to me, don't mean shit. <laughs> to me, don't mean shit. Um, so I see that going on. Um I don't know if there's been any other call-outs or any fights made. I've been so... There's been a few fights made. None that are absolutely outstanding. But there was, I feel like, one drop today where it was uh, Shabazian versus Brunson. 
Oh, Did Derek I like Brunson? That. I like that. Yeah, that's you actually a great matchup. I'm going to have my matchup. golden boy and my boyfriend. Brunson just changed his game Shabazian. plan. I don't care. Shabazian, I would say he has better boxing and just as good wrestling defense. So we didn't talk about it much, I feel like, on the breakdown, even though it did fall out due to uh, Chas Skelly and Grant Dawson. That was officially rebooked for North Fork, Virginia, February 29th. So apparently it wasn't an USADA thing. I was hearing on the underground that it was Pico Grant Dawson getting it in there, popping for his second time for USADA. He could have popped, but with the new USADA Navinsky stuff that's going on, it could have a small amount from something he. They already wait. They already have waves, or they already have um, waivers ready at hand to be like, look, it, we can test tainted supplements, and they don't keep them out for two years. They yeah. shorten it. And it could be something that he already served his time for, but whatever commission they were in was like, no, no, you're going to have to get off this card. We'll wait and find out. Right. Well, and Grant Dawson's an up-and-comer. If this was Boom Kelleher on his 2-5 losing streak, would they go to bat for him? <sighs> I don't know. Because <laughs> he's not on that 2-5 losing streak. <laughs> True, true. So that was an interesting and thing in the Twitter. Might as well be called whenever we wanna. Exactly, you and your mama, every time. Woo! <laughs> Is that all we have on the Twitterverse? <laughs> I'm sure there's so much other stuff I could easily go to the. Yeah, games I feel like that's the biggest stuff. There's nothing that was, um, as far as MMA, that popped out and was grabbing me. I'm Any pressing direction. MMA slash news and see what the first thing is. Conor McGregor's next fight in 2020, breaking down the options. That's what we just did for you. Christiana Cyborg um, is going to fight in Bellator What soon? we both will say, she already did last this past weekend. Um, really? Yeah, she already fought it. I really? think so. No, wait, no. no it's this She's weekend. She's about to. With Aaron, I was going to be with like, Aaron no. Pico on it. Aaron Pico. I... <laughs> um, but, uh... We didn't talk about Khabib because there's no need to yet, everyone. It's not happening yet. You're going to jinx it. Well, you know why? Because Khabib's fighting Tony, you dumb fucks, and Khabib's not even going to have that belt anymore. Exactly. (laughs) They can, Khabib can fight Conor for the BMF title later, but it won't be that 155. Um, So, oh yeah, Yoel Romero Israel is official official. Official fish. Dana White talking about a bit about it being like Adesanya wants it. He wants the hardest guy, and he's like, "Hey, I don't care who he fights." And Yo Romero is apparently a pain in the ass to deal with as far as negotiations is concerned. So Dana White's like, he doesn't care. He'll get it done just to watch that fight. It seems like it must be a slow week because every article is like, "Who should Connor pick next? Who 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 should Connor pick next?" So I guess. Um, Unless you have anything else to say, we can drop the business and uh, get into the main card. Drop it. So make sure you're liking and subscribing everywhere. You can follow us at LATB underscore MMA on Twitter and on Instagram. And make sure you're following Emmanuel at Zoltanite. And make sure you're following me at Weakneck Baby. And that's where you will find all the goods, all the funny clips. It's how you can find the people from the Fight Pick Championship if you're like, oh, she was saying that that one guy is always winning. And I'll be like, then you'll find out where to follow him because I ain't saying his name here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We'll talk about it as we get through it. But I do have to throw out that uh, uh, our boy uh, Buddy Slade this week. 
Uh, he got a lot more points than everybody else. And then um, he might have gotten a perfect card or something. Congratulations. So much. So he buddy well. at MMA Marks. Uh, their podcast is pretty funny. If you uh, want to listen to it, put MMA Marks in your Google. And uh, also... Uh, World Winning Federation came in second. Ugh. And he's the guy first place in the uh, alpha, is first place in the whole tournament. So I'm going to be real honest with you, people. I made an alpha card this week. I made a little money on it. Wow. I made a little money on it. Why wouldn't you follow the first people in the tournament and make cards like their picks if they're doing so well? So I use my televised card only. And I just made alpha picks. That sounds like insider trading to me. I don't think the public gets to see those cards. Yeah. So I'm just telling you guys. Um, that's World Winning Federation. Um, he is winning the Fight Pick Championship right now. So those are the only people I'm going to shout out. is the person who won this week and the person who's winning overall. Wow. That's it. That's all I have to say about those. Good for them. You're a better person than I am. You, But you know what I'm here for. The b -b 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 breakdown. We're going to get into the 12 card bout. Raleigh, North Carolina is going to come in hot with the heavyweights. Junior Dos Santos coming in against Curtis Razor Blades. But that's a fight that we usually get to at the end. We always start from the bottom to the top. And it ain't going to change here with a dirty Double disgusting debut in Nate Lander coming in against Herbert Burns, Gilbert Burns, younger brother, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt world class champion in there, nine and two, coming off of the contender series. I know how you like those guys. He ended up getting mainly submissions. There's been a couple knockouts over his career. I got to watch all of his fights. He is a young man who is definitely Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu incarnated. He does not have an offensive takedown to save his life. Doesn't have a single leg. He pulls on guard. He pulls people down. He gets hurt and rolls on ankles and hips and is able to submit a lot of guys that way. And once he's on top, his top ground game is really good. But literally, the takedown at distance is not there for... Herbert Burns, he pulls guard. So I really didn't like that. And his striking is not up to par. He knows what he likes to do and it's not stand up. He tries to get fights to the ground. And in this fight, it is a dirty double debut. It is gross as Melosis, but this is a fun character. This is Mike Perry's cousin in there. If you Once you see the tapes, you're going to be like, I know why he's calling him Mike Perry's cousin in there. He is from Tennessee. The only 10 I see in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Is the ring card girl. It <laughs> <laughs> is Nate in there. He was the underdog. Now switched as a slight favorite, but it's because he's a madman in there. He throws strikes from everywhere. Has been having a bit of a resurgence. He is 13 and 2. Only lost two fights by submission. Rear naked choke and then guillotine. Hmm. But there's many other fighters that have gone to the ground and he's fighting an M1 global against legitimate 8 and 1, 13 and 2 Russians and getting wins in there. What I like about him is his wrestling or his anti-wrestling. He's a madman striking with straight punches. He 
doesn't care about going to the ground because he will let a guy start to extend his leg and land punches and knock him out. He has that kind of weird power on the ground, almost Nico Price style. So a shit takedown, you're telling me, is not good against this guy. Not good at all. You can eat a hard uppercut. He And he does have good hands. Even though he's absolutely a wild man, he has power. And he relies on that, but he also has a gas tank. In his earlier fights that I watched, because I was able to catch about 10 of them, he didn't have a good gas tank. Now that he's been the champion, <laughs> I was M1, able to catch it like one or ten, one, two, or ten. <laughs> Out of his thirteen fights, so kind of good. Yeah, that's uh, great. <laughs> but I've really seen his gas tank grow a lot, and his strike acumen. Like he's always when you been do wild. Tape study? Do you watch from the beginning up, or do you like watch, see how deep, you, like watch their most recent fight and see if you need to watch more? Uh, I try to get their most recent fight, and then I'll work my way back and see how early I can get. Um, and I don't know why, but that's, but I'll see big jumps because I'll be like, oh, he looks stiff as shit back then. And now this most recent one, he's throwing all sorts of stuff in there, sprawling well, but just having good scrambles. So this is a coin flip of a fight. It's been proven on the cards. We tell you guys to stay away, but I feel like you got to pick one of these guys because I don't feel like this goes out of the second round. Regardless, it's a submission or TKO finish. It's what you're going to go with first. I want Burns to win via submission, but you know that wrestling. If you don't have good wrestling, I always think you're you you are handicapping yourself to an extent. But if Hilbert Burns, Herbert Burns is rocked and still gets to the ground and gets to Nate's back, he can finish this fight. So it's Olenek Green. I went with Green last week. Gimme Nate Lander, the debuter, slight favorite right now. A lot of people have been coming in on this wild man. I just like his style. He's going to get many fights. He's going to be Jason Knightish type of a character. Oh, How do you no, feel about this I one? I didn't like Jason Knight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really just, if if somebody has a garbage takedown, I always just, we always see the second sibling is never, ever, ever as good. Ever as good. So I have Baby Burns written on uh, the card, I was wondering <laughs> what his name should be. If it'll stay Baby Burns. <laughs> it's The Blaze. I know. I thought actually that was clever. It is clever. Um, if he's horrible, I was thinking Burnt. Herbert Burnt. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get into it. I'm going to stay away from the first fight of the night as always. It seems to pay off in abundance on my DraftKings cards. I cannot tell you how happy I am uh, with staying away from it. But I like everything you're saying about Landweir, and I want him to get a nasty uh, uppercut, maybe, like you were saying, or uh, catch him on the takedown with a knee or something kooky. But uh, why not? Knockout round one. I got knockout round one. Nate Landweir as well in there over, over the starting initial favorite in there in Burns. So it's going to be a crafty one. There's a lot of really interesting matchups throughout this night. And another profiled one at 135 pounds is going to be Brett Johns coming in against debuting Tony Gravely. Gravely coming in with a 19-5 and fighter. American wrestler coming out of Virginia. So he's going to be the more late, or the more local by far. Last winning his Contender Series debut Against Ray Rodriguez, TKO, ground and pound. I mean, I liked what I saw in tape from Gravely on the ground. He has good hips when guys shoot on him. Uh, he does have power. His 
strikes aren't that evolved, but he throws them well. He's definitely a guy who has a solid chin as well, but it's just been a lack of competition. Again, his highest level is a contender series fight in here. And yes, he did well, but looking back at Ray Rodriguez, he didn't look like the like he was going to make a big splash at all in there. I really like the hips for Gravely, as I was saying, on top. He really, when he goes to any scrambles, he ends up on top of a lot of guys. And that's where he gets a lot of ground and pound finishes. He's just very educated in using his wrestling as a very smothering option. But against Brett the Pikey Johnson here, a 15-2 and two fighter only losing in the UFC, had a ton of hype, having his first two-fight losing streak to Aljamain Sterling and Pedro Munoz's decision. Those don't look so bad the more and more we look at them. No, no. But the Pikey's gone in here and shown us that he has some high-level, high-level grappling. Calf slicering, uh, some mofos in there. Who was, did he get Soto in that? Hawk and decision. He showed us some good striking as well. Uh, when he's hitting that next level, when he's hitting those top 10 guys, I do see John's being a little bit young at 27 still, but I do like his growth. Uh, he has been training more stateside. I believe he was at top team or somewhere in the Florida region. It's not put up here, uh, but either way, John's has been showing a progression in his game. I think that the best option for Gravely here is to try to out-wrestle and win fights via ground and pound. But against Johns, even off of his back, he throws up so many triangles and is so crafty. I feel like eventually it's Gravely getting caught in a submission. Give me John's submission round number two. I think he gets a beat on him. Could even move it up to round number one. Because when Johns is on your back, uh, I think a lot of even American wrestlers have over estimated how good of grappling he is because he comes from Europe and uh, Johns is actually legitimately sound uh, everywhere. I like him. Give me a submission round number two. Who do you have in this fight? I've never bet against Brett Johns. <laughs> is that a weird one? No, not at all. Uh, I've never bet against Brett Johns and now looking at it and maybe it's one of the reasons that I love both the fighters so much afterward like Pedro Munoz I was on him for a super long time and look what he went to do I think after this fight he like KO'd Cody. Yeah. Um, but also Aljamain. I think Aljamain has the highest probability of getting to that belt. He's the most well-rounded fighter in the entire division. Um, and this fight really let me know that. I always knew Aljamain was good everywhere, but he just looked crisp. I mean, anyone who would have ca got caught by... Um, that knee? The, uh, it was gnarly. And it, you know what it did? It sent them off on the wrong trajectories than they should have been. Uh, Moon, or, uh, what's his face? Morice should have been on a little slower and Aljamain should have been fighting for titles next. It just was a one of those weird why we love the sport. I know, I love it. But I love Brett Johns. The other guy looks like he's uh built to burn out and Brett Johns has cardio for days. Uh, he is sneaky. He hit the submission by the end of round two. I wanted to go round three, but I liked everything you said. And he is just that much more experienced against guys that are just murderers. So give me right on a full camp, I think, too, is this for Brett Johns? I believe this is. I believe they both had over eight weeks. So I like that for, for um, him. Give me John's submission. Um, I like what you're saying. I like round two. Uh, I think experience will pay off. I'm going to move it to round three. I think experience will pay off, um, but I think that's a good... The debut fighter, Tony Gravely, is the even near or slight favorite, minus 130. 
8,200 on DraftKings against Brett Johns. 8,000 even, plus 100. Hmm. Interesting for this debut. You know what, Brett Johns isn't a fin- you know, he doesn't get finished. He eats shots, too. Look back at all his fights. He eats shots. He so does. So I'm kind of not worried about that. And um, Gravely is a wrestler, so I feel like people are putting a lot, which is rightfully so, but five-fight veteran in the UFC, undefeated up until the UFC against the guy who's lost on the regional scene? It's just weird to me. But young man's coming into his own. The tape wasn't bad on Gravely. It's just, it's really weird that it's this close of a line. I think people look at win-loss records and they just make quick picks. Right. I think once and people start digging into this, this line could change completely by fight time. A lot more the other way? Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. I'm liking John's in there a lot. The more and more I see these lines. 8-2, are you going to put Gravely anywhere? Um, no, I won't. I will, will, I'll speckle Brett Johns. I, I tend to bet harder the deeper the fight gets into the night. Oh, okay. I, I wish I could wash the first three fights of the night off my, even my pick records. You don't even want to show them up on your DraftKings. I know. (laughs) I think I'm going to be playing probably in that 20% of Brett Johns gravely. Not this time. I'm excited about this next fight. You're the only person. <laughs> you are it. Because I'm excited about it. At 135 pounds. The return of... Sarah McMahon coming in against Lena Landsberg. Oh, McMahon. She got to fight outside of the UFC for a little bit. They're not showing up on a record. Interesting. Did she? I thought she just did a, a grappling tournament or something. Oh, okay. Maybe that's where I was thinking because I was like, I swear I just saw her doing out some other competitive sport, but she didn't fight at Bellator for like two fights and then came back. That could have been also like 10 years ago because Sarah McMahon has been fighting for like 80 years already. The 11 in 5 fighters coming off of a two-fight losing streak. The Olympian wrestler has always come in with mega strength. Joe Rogan has notoriously been uh, quoted for saying, You feel like a man. (laughs) Yeah, when McMahon is in your name, buddy. (laughs) When steroids, that means in your blood. Sorry, I didn't mean to get that confused. (laughs) So, McMahon, though, notoriously... Did she win a medal? No, I don't think she did, but she still went. I think she still... Which is... Top hey, athlete, hey, hey. Yeah. top athlete in there. But she's definitely somebody for me that I've wanted to get behind, especially with all her wrestling accolades. But she has low fight IQ, bad striking, and she rarely uses her wrestling. When she does, she tends to win fights and decisions. So she's super low output with just bad picking of combinations. She never seems like she has range in there. And then quits at times. There's just times where she's just like, I was spending there, guys. And when you see her body mass, you're like, yeah, of course. That muscle's me- meant to burn out. And against Lena Landsberg, coming in with a 10-4 and four record, she has really proven herself as of late, beating Macy Chiesan as a big underdog. We were just talking about that. And Tanya Evinger seven months ago. Landsberg is definitely uh, showing her striking credentials, kickboxing, keeping these fights where she wants to. The elbow queen does throw them out of the clinch well. In the clinch is actually her best option that's where she kept chase on the whole fight was pretty much in that clinch and then on the ground on top throwing punches and in this fight i feel like this really plays for lena landsberg i feel like if those takedowns don't come or if lena keeps getting up mcmahon does well mcmahon will start to shoot one singular shot and then if that doesn't work she doesn't use her chain wrestling or she gets rolled over and just rolled through it's just 
been a constant fade for me with McMahon for a long time. I've never been sound on her, and especially after beating Chieson, who we were both liking a lot. Lena's been proving herself. I have a soft spot in my heart for Tanya Avenger as well. So give me the Elbow Queen as the plus 125 underdog. I think she keeps his standing and wins a decision. If not, TKO round number three. I'm going to go decision because this is a WMMA fight. I, I kind of like that idea. I'm excited to see Sarah McMahon back. I'd love her to have some sort of new game plan. She does decide at the end to just get submitted. It's like they can't finish her, and she just kind of gives up, and maybe because she is wilted. I'd like to hope that maybe she worked on her cardio while she was gone. She took a crazy... She does tend to take a crazy amount of mm -hmm. time off before her fights. It makes me wonder if she's like fights, budgets... <laughs> and only does it because she has to. You saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. If that's the case, uh, I just think Lena, Lena Landsberg has, she impresses me every time she goes in. I never pick against her. She impress red flag. <laughs> I'm, I, I, might, I might be about to. Uh, but she just, she also has the opposite face. She doesn't look like her face has gotten fixed after every fight. She looks a little more worn, a little more worn, a little more worn. But her skills are getting a little, she's kind of like, um, for the 135, she is kind of like a Roxy, where it's like, oh, you don't notice the person that's getting better slowly in the background while all these other people are doing a crazy spinning elbow or knocking somebody out fast. He's Here's Lena grinding decisions, losses, grinding decision wins, working her way up. And now uh, I think she has a good enough takedown defense to keep Sarah McMahon and stay on her feet. I think the game's progressed a lot, especially in the women's division, and Lena is always in there. She's not scared to get bloody. She'll take a couple nasty punches to the face, bust her nose all up, and still keep coming forward um she kind of impresses me every time i like everything you're saying landsberg decision I, I wish sarah mcmahon well i do like that we're seeing both these ladies sarah mcmahon's almost 40 lena landsberg's 37 and i think we just saw Marion no beat sarah mcmahon at 41 yeah. so um you know what sarah mcmahon's a young fighter in the division <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how this one goes but right now i'm gonna stick with lena landsberg i'm not i don't know how heavily i'll put it but i could see your finish happening because our girl is a quitter but lena's not gonna try to uh submit her so right. what is she just gonna stay there and well, keep taking I think punches she lands elbows about elbows. she's on top but on DraftKings, the minus 150 favorite sarah mcmahon is 8400 coming in against lena landsberg's plus 125 7 it's another underdog i don't know if i can play because if it goes to decision i'm gonna go 10 percent because there is an option for the finish but it's very rare. I think it's more than likely to go to decision, but I do like those odds she going She does have Lansburg. a ground game, and it's been a while, but I got to think Lena Landsberg, she's, she knows. She but knows. For, the, for this average, McMahon averages 54 points on DraftKings compared to Landsberg's 44 points. No, you stay away from that fight as far as DraftKings then, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If the, I think the women's 135 might be a lot of the Holly Holm Pennington looking stuff without Amanda fighting. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. That's not good news. No, it's not. It's sad, sad. <laughs> the champion will be like one person. <laughs> GDR. <laughs> <laughs>
So Well, it, you will be happy to know that GSP has Sarah McMahon handpicked in this fight. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Then we move on to a slightly funner fight at 135 pounds bantamweight. We have Montel Jackson. This is how he does it. Coming in against Felipe Corrales. Kakobara, Kakobara, or Karabaka, Kokobara, whatever the hell your name is. Nine and one fighter, losing his debut Felipe against Freitas. Cobrana? Kobokoa. Kobokayo. 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 Corrales, winning one, losing Felipe. one in the UFC, <laughs> losing two. Uh, Defritas, and then came in against my boy, Peralta. You know how big I was hyping up Peralta off of that contender series, which would have been my first cue to probably not pick him. But uh, he ended up out grinding Peralta, landing strikes with him, taking him down. I went back and watched that fight because I really like Peralta. And Defritas won that fight on the ground. He is a black belt and showed that he can submit people, but he also has as good a defense. His striking's really coming along, but those takedowns, he did get better after his first fight, and he really showed him against the wrestler in Peralta. So, not an easy fight for anybody. I think uh, Corrales there is going to be somebody that is going to be a sneaky uh, option for a lot of people. But Montel Jackson here has been showing out at 8-1, and one, only losing in the UFC to Ricky Simone. It was controversial, to say the least. He has the record for the biggest hands in the UFC, is it? The biggest gloves in his weight size? Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> they all, they'll all they say it on this one, I guarantee you. Those guys will talk about it. But then he got a win over Brian Kelleher's submission, and as of late, so Hamtaff in a decision. But Jackson shows great take down the fence on the ground. He can He's shown us stars is another good submission. Striking, it's just been power. I just feel like... As we just saw with Macy Barber, he's a huge favorite here, and we got to give respect where it's due. Corrales can put together a good game plan here and not just get dropped. He has a chin on him. He got hit by Peralta and DeFritas, and he didn't go down. He ate those shots and got right in their face and really put the pressure on him, and we haven't seen anybody really try that against Jackson. He's really usually able to dictate a lot of that distance. And on the ground, he's been able to keep it where he wants to, up striking. If this gets to the ground, Corrales has a big advantage, I feel like. I think it's too big of a favorite to be that confident in Jackson. I do have him, oh, I like but I think it's saying. blown up. I feel like Montel Jackson kind of has shit takedown defense. That's why Ricky Simone got what points he did, is he just got him down every time he wanted to at whim. At whim. Freitas is good on the ground, and he has good takedowns. So, too big of a favorite. Six to one, way too much. I'd probably be like minus 185 is where I think I'd be all right with Montel Jackson. So, I think this is a decision fight. I think Jackson takes it, but I'm going to probably throw have a couple shots on Freitas on here, or uh, Felipe Corrales on here, because... I think that he he's a dark horse in the night that can... You think he should be undefeated in the UFC as well? These guys should be maybe both undefeated in the UFC. <laughs> maybe, but Jackson's... It's the hype. I'm just... Macy Barber scared me. She got she got me shook. So yeah. I need to, I need it to back off. It happens a lot. 
anytime we see people get too excited about anything, it's it's the Ronda Rousey. She ate on Landsberg. That was like a yeah, minus yeah. eight hundred yeah. something stupid. There's no sure thing in MMA. N- not at all. So this is one where definitely gonna be super hesitant on when it comes to betting it specifically. Give me a decision. Aljamain Sterling and Marlon Marais. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't a heavy favor, but anything could happen. That's all I meant. Uh, I'm going to go with Jackson's decision. I like what you're saying, though, about, about Felipe Corrales. I just really love everything Montel Jackson's doing in there, and I think he is on the trajectory to good good things. I think the line might be off, but he should still be the favorite. Um, he's not really a finisher. Give me Jackson's decision. Jackson is going to end up being the minus 650 favorite, 9,400 on DraftKings. The biggest favorite of the entire night coming in against Felipe Corrales is 6,800 on DraftKings plus 425. Underdog, I'm going to take some shots on the young guy. I mean, it's just the odds are way too off on this, especially of what we've seen of late. He can eat some, some hard shots and make a fight dirty for anybody in there. So hesitate. I'm going to probably be playing like... 10%, 10% of this? Because Jackson at 8-4, do you think he gets a finish? No, I got decision. No, I never have him so I'm not having, finish. So I'm having decision, Jackson, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to Corrales or nothing on DraftKings there is going to be my play. 10%. Then we move on to 125 pounds where we have... Your girl! Justine Kish coming in against Lucy Pudilova, also known as Puddle of Love out there. You know we love our girl. What's the um, actor from Zombieland? Not Woody Harrelson, the other guy. No, I... He also... Isn't he Mike Chiesa? No. Uh, Matt Chiesa? No. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? No. But I don't know. Sarah Betsera? No. But he also <laughs> is in that uh, Facebook movie with Justin Timberlake. Okay. He's the guy that yep. plays. Um, I think he looks just like Justin Quiche. <laughs> oh, I could see that. <laughs> It's so she could be the stunt double. Insane. <laughs> like it kind of freaks me out. He looks like her with a wig on. <laughs> I'm gonna find what his <laughs> name is so people can look it up. So in this fight, we have two veterans coming in, eight and five. Lucy Pudilova coming in with a three-fight losing streak, last losing to a split decision, Irene Aldana. Liz Carmouche in a decision, and being submitted by Antonina Shevchenko. The Czech Republic fighter is Jesse 25 Eisenberg. years old. Eisenberg, that bastard. I know, but I'm going to see if I can blow it up big and show you guys. Let's see. What Eisenberg looks like in here. Look. <laughs> it's their nose. Their noses and lips. <laughs> Sorry. Eisenberg. Sorry, that guy. So, it, with... Pudilova in here. She likes to get it to the ground. If she can, striking-wise, she's also serviceable. But there's nothing. She has no power. She's more of a volume fighter. She won't get submitted, but she doesn't really help herself. She's not really active on her back. She was, she'll throw punches for off of her back, and it works at times. Justin Kish being 6-2, only losing in the UFC. Last losing a split decision to Kim, and as of late... A split decision to Kim before that. A decision to Yoder. She did beat Nina Asneroff in a huge decision where she outstruck her for a ton of points in there. Uh, Kish tends to keep it striking. Her takedown defense that has gotten like a lot early better. Nina. It was, but 
Yeah, it was definitely before she came into her stride. It was like, it was so long ago that Ben Askren's kid wasn't even fighting. Macy Barber wasn't even the future yet. <laughs> <laughs> so Keisha in there, that split decision against Kim, I think was in China. So you got to take that with a grain of salt in there. But I feel like I'm really surprised that this is, the line's really gotten where it's at. Minus 160 for Pudilova. I feel like Pudilova's the worst striker. She can't get it to the ground. I don't think she'll be able to get no. it to the ground. And if she does quiche, if she doesn't just back up, uh, she should be able to outpoint this. I don't know if I see a finish necessarily in this fight, but I don't see how either fighter could be a decided favorite by any means whatsoever. I, at the bare minimum, a coin flip, but give me quiche here. I feel like she keeps it where she wants, striking and just kind of kiaz her to death, lands a hundred strikes, nothing's going to really hurt her, and Pudlova's just going to kind of be a punching bag in there. I'm going to probably end up stacking up on this one a little bit more for Keish just because of your amount of volume that she does throw in this, and especially at her price tag when it comes to DraftKings. Mm. Because I got a decision, Keish here. Who are you going to pick? Right now, um, I have Pudlova decision, and I just her losses are against three women that are top notch to me in the division. I like Aurene Aldana a ton going forward. I love Liz Carmouche, even though she's not in the UFC any longer. I think she's super talented, and Antonio Shevchenko. We've seen her turn on a different game plan and become another level fighter. Like maybe the nerves are gone. Um, but Justine Keish has just been a little bit, and it's not her losses to me are not as impressive as Pudilova's losses. And I just like that Pudilova's staying active. The thing I want to give Justine Keish is I want to be like, oh, she's a Russian. Should give it to the Russian. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna go with Pudilova decision minus 160 favorite for pudlova 8700 on DraftKings against justine quiche is plus 130 7500 but i don't think you're off base at all and i could see myself switching on that fight i want to see justine quiche at weigh-ins and maybe she's just one of those fighters that fights once a year so it's been a year 10 months since she's last fought so that's 11 months so that's why it's been a little bit of a while for the 31 year old against 25 years old last five months but I can't put Pudlova anywhere for 8,600 at an no, average no, of 49 no. You're points. So smart. Keish is the better play. It's dogger pass. Definitely a dogger pass. 7,500 for an average of 65 points. I think she can get right around that cap and allow you to get some of those higher priced guys, which I'm not really if she liking loses, so far. It's a decision only. And look right? at her last bit on DraftKings are in that average, and she's still getting 65 points. So. Not bad. Yeah, I think it's definitely quiche all the way. Give me that quiche. So, moving on to a short notice replacement. We have Arnold Allen coming in versus Nick Lentz. Nick Lentz being the short notice replacement here against... Uh, this is a fucking great Nanir fight. Near I believe. I could be off on there. Either way, it doesn't matter by this point. We got the Carney coming in here. Last losing eight months ago, ground and pound TKO to Charles Oliveira. Before that, he had a two-fight winning streak against Hot Sauce Holtzman, where he put it on a showing, and Gray Maynard knocking him out in there. Nick Lentz, since he's left um, American Top Team, he's definitely, his striking has come along leaps and bounds. He's always been ultra-dirty on the ground, 
Nick Lentz has always been sneakily had guillotines and all sorts of stuff on the ground. Oliveira has finally started to come into his own as well. And Allen is getting a humongous step up here. He has been fighting some fun caliber competition in the UFC with Rinaldi and uh, having a nothing but a winning streak in there. His last fight being Gilbert Melendez six months ago. Doesn't really look that good. When we talk about most fights and we're like, oh, that's a loss. That doesn't look so bad all of a sudden. This is a fight where you're like, oh, that doesn't look so good. How did he just decision Gil Melendez? Should have been able to do what he wanted in there with him. But prior to that. I don't know. I like Gil. I think Gil's rough and stuff. Man. I feel I like Gil's up washed up. a lot of guys. Oh, really? Yeah. I think he's, I think in Bellator, Gil get beat up. Maybe At this the point, top brass. Against still, this point. I still think he's a top 15 dude. No top way. Top 20 dude. I'm. Nope. I will bet against Gil anybody in the top 25. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, yeah, I, I'm being biased there. So either way, the 15 and 1 Allen, good striking, good gas tank, is at TriStar hanging out with Nazrat Casper as GSP. Getting that mustache going heavy. Gil Melendez? You know who I was thinking of? Gilbert Burns. Oh, give me Gilbert Burns in every single one I of those fights. Of, what are you talking about? He's a top 10 guy. Like, I love him. But you are so right about Gilbert <laughs> Okay, Melendez. thank you. Thank you. You are so right. It was. I was like, what? I thought we, like, I sat here in my head and I'm like, we love Gilbert Melendez. Oh, shit. I'm thinking of Gilbert Burns. <laughs> because we were There's talking about difference. him earlier on the night, earlier no. with Baby Burns. Yeah, there is such a difference. I would never pick Gilbert Melendez ever again. He should thank not you. be in the UFC. <laughs> he is not even in a top. He so, shouldn't even be in Bellator. Bellator fighters would beat him. Um, I would pick a contender, Dana White contender series fighters against them. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Sorry. What the f They're like, this bitch never picks Gilbert. She hates Gilbert Burns. Or Gilbert Melendez. <laughs> Melendez. Sorry. So, back to Allen. Uh, all around, good fighter. A little bit of power. Has the submissions. One of his marquee is that ninja choke against Matt Bur Burznell. It's one of the things that he does well, uh, does Allen, against the cage specifically. He dives for that ninja choke. He dives for those triangles around the neck. But the carny is the carny for a reason. He knows those type of tricks. He's a veteran for a reason. It's hard to get him done uh, with some of those sneakier things, especially if the carny watches tape, which he does. He's a longtime veteran, the 35-year-old in here. Uh, his cardio has been a little bit suspect, but I feel like... It's, even though it was Oliveira, I feel like Oliveira is taking a big step up. And I think if Oliveira were to face Allen, I think Oliveira would also eat him up. So, I feel like the Carney actually uh, wins this on the ground via submission. I had Allen decision, thinking he can keep it where he wants to. But I do, Allen does gas. It, in every fight, even You're his right. wins, he's tired he's looking more muscular and better than he ever has but that's where the carney comes out strong in the third round the carney gets after it in that third round if he's not beat up too much i'm switching to the carney decision nick lentz i did have submission i think if it does happen it's in that third round but i think it's because the gas tank give me the it's not american top team anymore he's up somewhere else but give me the carney as another underdog what am i doing to myself 245 underdog. That's a huge underdog. That's insane. 270 uh, favorite for Arnold Allen. That's insane. Do your research 
Everybody do your research. Nick Lentz's losses are way bigger. I think Charles Oliveira, I, I think Charles Oliveira's head in places, and he actually has a huge fight against Kevin Lee that I should have talked about in the Twitterverse talk coming up that's official, which I think is a weird fight for Kevin Lee to take. Like, that's a slayer in the division. And what I've noticed is these wrestlers can't get off on uh, Charles Oliveira. Like, he's so schlick with the way he can grab up your neck and things like that. It's different than other jujitsu guys. He, like, gets under their throat with well, his knuckles. His striking is ultra and gnarly. his striking has had the opportunity in the last three years to get so good because of how good his ground game was. He could work on other shit. And so I agree with you. Uh, Charles Oliveira schools Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen is a guy that I keep wanting to show up. I don't think I've ever picked against him, and it's been good for me. Um, but I don't know if I've ever picked against the Carney either. <laughs> so with Arnold Allen, oh, I picked Americani, which was a really good fight, a really good decision victory. That's the only time I've ever against, gone against Arnold Allen. Uh, Nick Lentz, shit, man. If somebody's going to do it dirty, it's going to be Nick Lentz. I think his wrestling's grimier. I do think he'll take it a short notice fight. Um, but... Arnold Allen doesn't have the KO power. It's go wrestler mm -hmm. against wrestler. I think when it comes to who has the better cardio, if it's just going to be a grind fest up until the third, I give it to Nick Lentz all day. Arnold Allen might have crisper striking, but I give Nick Lentz the power and more variation of strikes. So um, I think this is a dangerous fight on short notice for Arnold Allen. I can't believe more people don't see it. I love your Nick Lentz decision. I, too, am going to pick the Carney. Give it to me. It is going to be... Minus 300 for Arnold Allen, 9,200 on DraftKings against the Carney Lens. If this plus is a closed decision, the crowd will give it to Arnold Allen. I think the mm -hmm. UFC has a vested interest in keeping any of those UK guys like some hot prospect. Right, 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 right. No, I the agree Carney, with that. they're just like, meh, the Carney. Yeah, whatever. Another Floridian. <laughs> There's 10 more where he came from. <laughs> Go back to your sideshow. Uh, but the Carney lends 7,000 on DraftKings even. We've been picking a lot of underdogs. Most of those other ones I've been telling you to stay away from because their averages are usually pretty low as far as DraftKings mm -hmm. picks, and that's what it looks like. But here, I feel like the Carney is a hot play at an average of 71 points to the average 70 points of Allen. So a lot of value in Lentz here. He, his striking, as you were saying... Uh, he is more varied, but I've liked it as of late. Against Oliveira, it's not going to look good. By far. But Allen, it's going to look hot. The hardest fight Arnold Allen's ever had. By, yes. By far. Leaps and bounds. And it's harder than the fight he did have at this. I did have Arnold Allen. Who was he going against? Uh, Niramani, I feel like it was. Yeah, Man, like I did have Arnold Allen in the fight. Right, I decision, agree with that. But I just think Nick Lentz is one of those guys, like, especially on a short, like, short, short notice, notice, I feel like yeah. that's a perfect Nick Lentz fight. Yes, he comes in just being um, an intangible, just being a random And his last fight like, was Ooh. against Charles Oliveira, I think two on short notice. It was at 155. For Oliveira? Yeah, that was a 155 fight. On, so we'll I think he just was like, sure, give me a fight. Yeah, UFC, I'll fight. Sure, I can do it. So, um, yeah, if he's getting in shape now, hopefully it's fine. So, Lentz definitely going to go 20 to 30%. I'm going to be going heavy, maybe even 40% on Lentz. I like him a lot in this spot for that kind of price tag. Then we move on to the headlining, a preliminary fight card of the night in oh, Bevan no. Lewis. Is this the fight pick championship? No. Oh, this, this is the prelim. The prelim, prelim headliner. The, okay. With Bevan Lewis coming in against 
Dequan Townshed. Townshed coming in with a 21 and 9. Townsend in here is coming off of a loss on short notice when he fought Dachlia Lakiambula and got finished. He actually had a bit of a suspension in between there as well, popping for cocaine in that fight. He was only, uh, what was it? Uh, it was, I think it was like a week's notice, maybe eight days notice. So he didn't have enough time to get it out of his system. So on his like pre-fight check, UFC like, gave oh, him a God pass. Damn. They're like, God damn. you got knocked out like we wanted to. Okay, we'll give you another fight and we won't, whatever. But with Townsend, Townsend in here, he's a striker who's moved up in weight, but he didn't move up by muscle. I talked about it a lot and even the other time. He's just kind of flabby, doesn't look in shape. He'll wrestle at times, but he's really wild on the ground uh, and not in a good way. Just kind of gets himself into weird positions. He has strikes, but he keeps his hands really, really low and his gas tank's really bad. He just kind of uh, tries to sway out of punches and can't even do that as well. He's definitely a, looks like an old fighter at 33. Against Bevan Lewis, 28 years old, 6-2, and two, only losing in the UFC to Uriah Hall in a big underdog upset. And as of late, Darren Stewart, where your boy here, Emmanuel, ended up going with the dentist Stewart, telling you guys, hey, this is a bit tougher of a fight, but uh, stylistically, this is such a different comparison where uh, the dentist actually has skills. I feel like Townsend has none of that. He just maybe knockout power at the very least, and he can stay in there. But after midway through the second round, Townsend has no gas tank left and that's been his entire career i don't expect it to change here i feel like he just looks like he has a low work ethic and just kind of had the right fights at the right time had an option to come in the ufc because it was eight day notice but this is his last fight they're like all right bevin's lost two fights let's give him a knockout finish and then we can you know start that train I thought again was that one guy though that he fought anywhere and just took it on short notice at a heavier weight class than he normally fights so this is like the first fight at his real weight class he i've watched him fight at 170 oh, and shit. he it didn't yeah like and he, he didn't look uh muscularly no he moved up to 85 and it wasn't muscle Okay. So well, he I, hasn't done it. He hasn't I just done the like work. The experience. I like what you're saying about Bevel Lewis. Do you think it's a finish or? A I think it's. I, at first, I had a decision, but I think it's going to be a knockout round number two. It's the gas tank of Townsend. I feel. I feel like he's going to say that he fought in the UFC, and he'll tell people at the bar stool every every. I fought in the UFC. He'll probably get in some bar fights. Probably get into bare knuckles after this, but I think this is UFC career. On the line. Do you think you're going to be playing heavy? I got TKO round number two. Bevan Lewis. Huge favorite. Minus 400. 9,300. I got Bevan Lewis decision, but I'm okay with even still playing him on that. I think he's going to lay enough points, and I'm kind of hoping Daquan stays a punching bag and lets him do work. Rack up points? Yeah. I would hope so. That would be the best case scenario in there. Bevan Lewis also having issues with the gas tank as well. I gotta be honest here. I know. I think by halfway through the second round they'll just be hanging out in the corner like an old boxing Does this match. turn into a Raquel Pennington freaking yeah, Ollie home? Exactly. Look at He's at Jackson Wink. Oh, <laughs> that's exactly what they just been, Well, oh, Bevan Lewis, they said, oh, you're the next, um, who is it? John Jones. Weren't we talking about that earlier on the episode? Oh, yeah. Every yeah. time they're like, you're the next whatever. You're Knockout. Never. Knockout. Never. It just doesn't work that way. So 9-3 for Bevan Lewis. 
on DraftKings. Everybody loves the knockout pick, though, it looks like on Tabology. Yeah, everybody does. Against Townsend, 6,900 plus 300 underdog. Not, I can't put Townsend everywhere. If anything, I'm going to go 10 to 20% on Bevan Lewis just because I'm fading Townsend. I'm fading da- Daquan here. He's just not I like USC that. Caliber. I like Bevan Lewis. I want him to have a um, have a little shot here. It does seem like it's been long enough time. But I like everything he did in the Darren Stewart fight. I, too, was with you. But I was probably with you on that fight because you sold me on that fight on air. So I'm going to trust that you know your, you got your marker on Bevan Lewis. So I'm just going to stick decision, though, because I do think Daquan's going to be a punching bag. And Bevan Lewis does get so tired. They both do. Whew, that's an interesting one. To get us into the Fight Pick Championship. This is definitely for all the marbles. We're playing for keeps out here. It's been getting hot and heavy as of late. We're staying up in the top of the Fight Pick Championships. But it's hard. It's hard. It ain't easy being at the top all the time. It's. It just seems like it's everything. All the numbers are getting closer and closer and closer. It's making me sweat. It is. It's making me sweat. Definitely causing us to get... Oh, I'm so scared Stay to even look at these fights that we have to pick <laughs> for the Fight Big Championship. Every week it's so scary. And it's almost like when you get the first fight right, you're like, okay, I didn't shit the bed. If the first fight's a hot 25, huh, 25, you're like, I probably finished in the middle. <laughs> you're like, I'm probably good for the night. And then anything else you stack on. Um, the worst is, <laughs> I don't even want to say it. I'm not even going to put bad stuff on it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so... So we usually talk about arenas, judging... If you don't know what the Fight Big Championship is, this is tournament we do with a bunch of other awesome podcasts and Discord and Twitch people, and uh, so you need to uh, make sure you get in on that. Anyways, go on. I don't know if we explained it this year. (laughs) (laughs) So, are you worried about the judges in Raleigh? Are you worried about hometown advantage? Raleigh-Durham is... North, North Carolina. Carolina. Correct. Okay. Uh, which is supposed to be one of the coolest cities in the country. Like one of those little hidden gems. I oh, just said right. it. I ruined it. I turned it into New Portland. You're welcome. <laughs> I just ruined it. Uh, no, but uh, I'm I'm going to say these are good, honest American judges. <laughs> I am not worried about judges here. And um, I definitely think... A guy like Jay uh, Dos Santos is, I consider him as American as Blades. <laughs> <laughs> to an extent, sure. Sure, sure, sure. sure. He's, He's doing the damn thing. That he is. He was on the Brazilian Dancing with the Stars, though. Was it Dancing with the Stars Brazil? Brazil. Oh my gosh, don't remind me of that. I'm totally going with Blades now. So, <laughs> we start off the Fight Big Championship and the main of main card with Jamal Hill, the debuter, coming in against Draco Stocic. Stocic coming in with a 13-3 record, losing twice in the UFC. His debut, er, winning once in the UFC, losing twice, beating Kimball, but then losing to Devin Clark. Remember that name. Devin Clark that he lost to. That was the worst name um, from the Mr. Hands video. It, and now you know. Don't look that up. I never have <laughs> because I feel like it would scar me for life, but I know what it's about. But that was really just a statement about 
biggest thighs in the UFC. Absolutely. Devin Clark. Devin Clark is a monster. I in saw there. those in person from the bathroom while the fight was going on. I was so far away and all I could see was how big his thighs are. Just humongous in there is Devin Clark. And then Kennedy and Juku in there, the prospect who got beat by Paul Craig as well. Uh, definitely got it done in the decision five months ago. The biggest claim to fame for Draco is, is he's the training partner of Mirko Krokop. He is Serbian, but trains over there with all the Croatians and uh, tends to be a banger. He brawls a little bit. Gas tank isn't that good. Garby. He has good shot selections. He doesn't throw many kicks. He tends to box more than anything. His wrestling isn't all that good. But I mean, if... Devin Clark has a better gas tank in wrestling than you. I'm scared for anybody in there. But in this stylistic matchup against Jamal Hill, it's really beneficial for Stochich here. Hill doesn't really shoot takedowns. He likes to keep it standing in there. He's a perfect 6-0, having a few decisions, but it's against a lot of regional guys. Uh, he's got a couple TKOs on the Contender Series, getting a elbow from Mount in a ultra gassed fight against his opponent there five months ago. He did also beat uh, Townsend in a decision that was Ronda Rousey, Holly Ho. <laughs> it was a freaking bloodbath. Absolutely brutal to watch in there. Hill gasses after that second round as well, where he keeps his hands low from the beginning. When he does hurt you, he knows how to... Uh, kill but if he doesn't get you out of there and he has to go to decision he blows his load so this is one of the hardest fucking fights to pick on the entire card let alone fight big championship like you can't be confident in either one of these guys and for all the worst reasons they're just not ufc they shouldn't be in this spot with that i feel like stochich can eat a hard shot and when hill Wears himself out. Stochic has a bit more experience going to decision. And he's going to be able to eke one out. I'm not confident in this. I hate that I have to pick it on my five big championships. But I got to. Give me the big underdog. It's been a, my theme all night. Give me the underdog. Another one. You're welcome. Draco Stochic. As a decision. Are you um, so rattled by how bad your picks were last week? You're just like, fuck it, I'm okay, picking all I'm underdogs. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> it never yeah. happened to you before it rattled your cage. Uh, <laughs> you need to go run your birds. <laughs> unreal. Unreal. Oh, my gosh. I, You know, I want to go with everything that you're saying because of just experience inside the UFC octagon. But Stosik, if you look at every single thing that he's done in there, it's against a bunch of cans. Like yep. there's not anything that, and, and even Devin Clark, like we never say, we always say he's not UFC caliber, in which case he lost to Devin Clark. And then the guys he won, uh, like I'm not even sure the other record existed before he got to the UFC. I'm going to go with Jamal Hill just because, um, why not? Like, why not give it to a new guy? Stosik is going to do absolutely nothing with this experience in the UFC. He's not getting better any fight. He, his gas tank isn't getting any better. His skill set doesn't seem to be expanding. So, um, give me Jamal Hill. Um, I'm going to go with a boring old decision. I think no one thinks it's going to go to decision, but I think he's just going to beat on Stosa. Unless it gets called by like him landing enough strikes in a row. I got a decision, Draco Stochic. 
Huh. That's what I'm saying. I got the underdog, but I got a decision as well. But it's because they both can't lift their arms because they're so gassed. Well, um, against Serbia, North Carolina hates Serbians. No, I'm just <laughs> Can you imagine? You're probably right there. Doing. You're probably right. <laughs> so definitely. They're like, Serbian collusion. They're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> On DraftKings, the minus 135 favorite, Jamal Hill debuter coming in at 8,500 against Stochic's 7,700 plus 105 underdog. So maybe not that big of an underdog. But huh, I'm actually surprised he's not the favorite. I'm actually a big fat stay away from this fight as far as my DraftKings. I think so too. I think it's going to end up two big jelly arms that they that we're going to hear the ref say fight at least twice. Come on, fight. Yeah, I totally fight. agree. I think they even get pushed off of the fence to fight and even stood it up off the ground if they get there to fight. They're going to get so gassed. If you need excitement though, maybe it's the next fight. Maybe it is. With Hannah Cyphers coming in against Angela Hill at 115 pounds. These ladies come to scrap. If you want a good interview, you know where to go. Hannah Cyphers dropping dimes on the mic out there. Don't embarrass her. <laughs> Don't embarrass her. She gets embarrassed easy. Easy, easy. I love Hannah Cyphers. I mean that with all love. With love. Love. Cyphers comes in there showing her toughness. Only I have an interview real quick that I'm going to play from Hannah Cyphers. Do it. Here it is, you guys. It's a world exclusive. World exclusive. Hannah, um, how do you feel about going into this fight with Angela Hill? And we're back. Riveting. <laughs> Riveting. Absolutely love that. So, Hannah Cyphers she definitely... Blushed. You need to get... Uh, Local speaking class, uh, improv or whatever one, not improv, freaking uh, leadership speaking or something at the community college, girl, because you're in the UFC. People want to hear you, especially now that it's, uh, people know that she's shy about it. People are going to be like, here's a mic in your face. Say a word. Say anything. Say duck. Yeah. <laughs> like, we know you're shy. Yeah. Like, it's going to be all the, yeah. Right in your face because that's so. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Ali G because it does seem like somebody is like a wrecked dick in your face when people just put their power mic in your face. We can only wish. I know. I would do like, <laughs> and people would be like, stop. Stop. <laughs> I'd be like, so, Emmanuel, uh, how do you feel about going? You'd be like, get that corn out of my face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Anyway, sorry. So, this breakdown. <laughs> With poor Hannah Cyphers, can you imagine? She'd be like, um. Yeah. <laughs> poor Shockwave. So, Angela Hill, longtime veteran, getting back into UFC 10 and 7. Oh, she gosh, is also. Damn, if someone's going to fuck up my night, it's Angela motherfucker. <laughs> fucking Hill, every time. The anime. My special water's kicking in. <laughs> she. Likes to keep it striking. Likes to be a Muay Thai striker. On the ground, she's always been a garbage. Doesn't throw takedowns in there. She's a point fighter. Not tons of power. She's gotten minimal knockouts in her life. But she's a point fighter. Kill you by a thousand cuts. Has better aim, elbows, angles. Gas tank, not so good. Hannah Cyphers, also a kickboxer. Doesn't throw takedowns as well. More boxing acumen. She's more down the line, down the center, almost karate type of striking. Not many head kicks where Angela Hill will throw actual knees, elbows, uh, and stuff in there. And just use more points of contact. Though I give the gas tank a bit of an option. A bit of a better gas tank for uh, Cyphers. This is a dirty, dirty fight. This is a coin flip. I don't see how you could be that 
heavily favored, but I need a favorite. Yeah, I'm finally picking one. Give me Angela Hill in a decision, but I think there's a grimy, grimy point fight. I'm going to probably stay clears away. I mean, touching this with tempo pole as far as DraftKings, but... Uh, it's so crazy that this is just a horrible unreal. way that things that we have to put on our fight big championship. Unreal, right? <sighs> I actually think Hannah Cyphers is going places. That being said, not that I don't think Angela Hill is, but she's kind of like, when I shut my eyes and I think of Angela Hill, she gives me like a Jim Miller vibe. Like she's just going to fucking stutter there right around like the, the hot 25 and you're going to have to have your be well-rounded to get past Angela Hill. I think she takes fights on short notice to always step in at the division and save UFC cards. I think she's a fun enough personality on Twitter and speckles in her wins. That being said, Hannah Cyphers is like steadily crawling. I'm kind of surprised she's the underdog here. Uh, Angela Hill stays at range and points like... Um, she defensive strikes only uh, as you're trying to get out. She's not aggressive at all. Uh, I, I just think Hannah Cypher is, is a little better everywhere, and I hope she's even getting better than the last time we saw her. This is going to be her hometown fight. So if I think this is going to go to decision, even a close decision, I'm going to give it to the girl that's from the area. Give me Cypher's decision. Uh, give me the slight underdog. I bet that changes toward line time. I, I bet it gets a lot closer. I just don't. I'm. That's right. That's off. That it, line's off. It's off because Angela Hill has a bigger name. Uh, but just look into the fight record of these two fighters. A Hannah Cyphers has been fighting on undercards here and being an active fighter, taking a lot of fights in a year. I just think she's gaining experience. Uh, that Macy Barber fight was that one of the ones that we were like quick stoppage or did we think that one was like no oh, that shit. was just but was but hurts. a lot of people didn't think she'd make it out of the first round and you know what was... i would say that uh how quickly macy barber got handled i think that's part of these lines maybe what was uh the reason people love her is because she's coming off of a two-fight winning streak was it the jody escabel or the viana fight where she broke her forearm and kept fighting i think it was the viana fight i could be off on that but just toughness. And Escabel isn't even close. Angela Hill, school Escabel. Angela Hill, school Escabel. 100%. I just, Macy, 100%. or Hannah Cyphers. You know, every reason that I like J.J. Aldridge, Hannah Cyphers gives me, like, what I used to feel for J.J., it's almost like I put it all on Hannah Cyphers. Like, she gives me that, like, this girl's a mad little underdog. Like, there's, there's a little spark in there. And yep. Angela Hill just doesn't have that spark. She just seems like she's showing up to work for me. She's not showing up to win. She's showing up to work. And sometimes she wins and sometimes she loses, but she doesn't ever have the extra where I'm like, she handedly won that. I'm like, this could go either way. I, so I like, agree yeah. with that. I agree with that. So you can't be confident. That's why I'm staying away from this. On DraftKings, the minus 175 favorite Angela Hill is 8,600 against Hannah Cypher, 7,600 plus 145. Is Riley Durham by the sea or are we in the mountains here? I think... It's by the sea. It's by a river. Okay. It's by a body of water. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, definitely one that ugh, don't like being on my five big championships. But hey, hot twenty-five decision. I'll take that any day of the week. I might be. I'm gonna have to look at weigh-ins. But you know what? Both these girls always look legit at weigh-ins. Yeah, we're only at four hundred and forty feet, so we don't have to worry we about. We ain't gotta worry about that. Damn, I was gonna hope that sway me a little more towards ciphers. But is she maybe the local? Who's the local here? Cyphers. She's from North Carolina. Ooh. Go on and mount up. 
If there is one called? called, I don't know what that. I don't know. North Carolina, wanna mount up and take your shirt off and burp, burp, like a head, like a helicopter. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Something like that. It was. Was it Petey Pablo? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Petey. Petey, my boy. <laughs> so, if there's bad, I mean, you have a great point here. I'm not playing Angela Hill for 8,600 on my draft No games. way! She's never gotten that many points in her life. And Cyphers can get a 30 points on top of all of the land strikes she lands for winning that fight because that's what they give to the winner. If there's a fight to throw, if there's a fight that the judges come in a little bit heavy, it's going to be Cyphers. The crowd's going to go crazy, right? Unless yeah. it's Santa Cyphers kin. Because if it's their kin, they're going to be like this. They're going to have the camera on him and they're going to be, you want an interview of their family? <laughs> Yeah, hold on. We do have one. I actually, it's funny that you said that. I have her mom and dad. And, and brothers and sisters. Yeah, hold all on. Hanging out. What, what world exclusive? <laughs> Hi, I'm so glad you could join us, Mr. and Mrs. Cyphers. Um, you're going to be at the fight in North Carolina. Uh, do you have any encouraging words to give to your daughter about the fight? And we're back. Outstanding. That's how, that's quality journalism, if you ask me, right there. World you know, we exclusive. We never do that on the show. Yeah. We never have ever. clips where we go interview wow. fighters, which we actually should do more because they're like a mile that way and a mile that way and a mile that way. Uh, so, so maybe the judges won't hear their fan, her fans. I'm <laughs> yeah, just saying. It's a silent arena. It's full of her fans. Yeah, but it's that's why you know. The yeah. judges get all creeped out. It's silent. Angela Hill gets uh, all silent hilled. She Boom! How you like that? She walks out dead silence. Silent Hill. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be kind of fucking crazy if like it, it was so local for a fighter when another fighter walked out, they were... Yeah, that'd be terrifying. That would be fucking awesome. That would be as good as Cron Gracie's. I was about to say, that was the best walking I've ever heard in my life. That should be Tony Ferguson's, but I want to see him break dance, so whatever. Whatever. Anyway, different fight, different night. (laughs) (laughs) We move on to 125 pounds in a great one here. Fight of the night contender. I haven't said that much tonight, but this one's got to be on there. Jordan Esposino coming in. Espino. Espinoza. Coming in against Alex Perez. Give me a good old Mexican name. Yeah, there it is. That's like Smith in Mexico. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Alex Perez coming in with a 20 and 22 and 5 record. He's out here repping Lat B, throwing up our graphics before his fights. He's been a longtime fan. We appreciate it. I need to make him a new one. Mr. Perez coming off of a loss in the UFC to Joseph Benavidez, but where? That's Joey B. He's going for a championship. Right. He beat up Shorty Torres before that handedly and then as of late decisioned De La Rosa the submission grappler in there really showed that he has wrestling credentials coming out of Timo Yama he's with Felice Herring Esparza all those people that are slightly getting better is uh who else is there Moreno has been there for a bit as well or he cross trains there but Perez Brandon Moreno is awesome right Perez. You should have started well, with his name. That camp. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where they made their names, but that camp legitimately has uh, good people coming in and out of there that are progressing. And Perez is one of those fighters. If you watch that Shorty Torres fight, it went one round. They Perez threw over 114 strikes in under four minutes against Shorty Torres. 
Torres. That's how uh, explosive Perez can be. He can get hit, though, in some of these flurries. He will throw five and seven punch combinations in there, but he can get countered. Joey B showed it in there, where it's like, yeah, you can't just throw wildly at times because you will get caught. And he proved that against... Uh, Rosa, he came in with a much more measured approach because Alex Perez does have all those credentials, does have the power. Um, he just needs to calm down and let the finish come instead of look for it and then be finished himself. Espinosa, though, having a 14-6 and record, hasn't looked bad in the UFC. Contender Series fight, he won via punches. Eric Shelton, a decision. Then he last lost against Matt Schnell, triangle choke, five months ago where he was a big favorite there. Schnell uh, being a little bit tricky in there. I like him in there, but mixed review Espinosa though. Or, <clears throat> yeah, Espinosa is a wrestler with power. He throws in a Darce as well. He's coming out of uh, the Matt Luters MMA. Good black belt that fought back in the day, but... Really like the Darces on him when he gets to the ground. But when we saw him be off of his back and on into position, that triangle that Schnell got him in, wasn't that sneaky. It wasn't that unreal. It was just Espinoza can knock you out as much as he can submit you. So he's a double threat in there. But there is openings. He can get pushed up and people put in his face. And he doesn't like a lot of pressure. Uh, but he tends to be a good front runner when he is in lead of the fight. He's got a good jab on him. Good right hand to follow it up and throw up some good kicks. Uh, it's whether Perez gets right in his face or stays back. I feel like regardless, I think Perez is the better fighter here. I think he has a slightly better gas tank. I think the one-shot finish possibility comes to Espinosa not only in the striking, but in the submissions. If he gets a submission, he's the one, if there is a submission in the fight, it's going to be more likely him. Uh, but I think Perez is more likely going to get a finish where it's more of a uh, kill him by a thousand cuts where he lands a lot, where Espinosa can just counter and it's a, he's losing the fight until he wins. Give me Perez decision. I could turn that into a finish later in the rounds. I really like this fight. It's really close. Uh, actually, it's not really close. A lot of people have Perez. I'm surprised. So, give me Perez. I got a decision here. Who do you have in this fight? I have Perez decision, too. I'm really high on Alex Perez. I have been for a while now. Um, he's kind of one of these guys I see as he's so well-rounded. He has such fast hands. He has great takedown defense. He keeps the fight where he wants to keep it. Going up against Joey B, come on. Not only is that guy, he's like literally not just a living legend, but an active living legend. Like he's fighting for you know, a belt. And, and it was so early in uh, Perez's career. I think no one would know about this guy at all he's sneaking up so quietly he's the perfect person that i'm actually surprised he's such a moderate favorite it bums me out because mm -hmm. everybody was so high on espinosa like if you look at his last fight with schnell everyone was high on espinosa everyone so i'm it's like everyone jumps ship it's a bunch of like sally come like lately like come on Come on, like stick stick loyal for a little bit. I love Espinosa too. I don't hate on him for this. I actually do think it goes to decision. I think um, he is going to put Alex Perez in a couple of uh, submission attempts that we're going to get to see Alex Perez's ring IQ. And we're going to see him like, we're like, okay, good. He's grabbing the wrist. Okay, good. Okay, this round's over. He survived the round. I think there are going to be those nerve-wracking times. And I see Espinosa handling it on the ground. On the feet, I think Alex Perez can stay enough at distance, use his hands, and do everything right. I do think Espinosa has more power, that, but that power burns out 
halfway through the first round. And then I think Alex Perez will handle it. I don't know what he costs, but I do think he lays a legitimate amount of points. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the minus 280 favorite Alex Perez, 9,100 against Espinosa, 7,100 plus 200 underdog. A lot of people going with Perez, but I'm seeing here on top a lot of people all having decision. So for decision type of a fight, it's a little steamed How up. Many, I can't bet him. What's his average points? 80 points for Perez. Yeah, he lays a lot of hands, and in this kind of night, 80 points might be a high. Yeah, that's a good like, point. It, it, it's not a bunch of knockouts and everything. And um, I could see him because of the amount of volume he continues to lay. Uh, Espinosa, we don't see him. He either finishes or now is finished. So we don't get to see if he has that um, Oliveira quit in him. <laughs> Which I can't even give to Charles Oliveira anymore. I gotta almost take it sure, away. Sure, he turned it around. Yeah, he, he has, has turned it around. I, I got. I like to call it now. It's called that Showtime quit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. So you're going decision again with I like that. Decision I got Perez. decision as well. I am gonna put Perez on cards there for nine one. He's one of the few guys on top there that I am gonna be picking. Here's where this next fight that we're about to talk about, this is what I think will separate us from uh, the rest of the Fight Pick Championship and get us a little hot 25. I don't have no idea what you're picking, but I have a feeling you and I are going to go different than the rest of the pack. Anyways, let's see what you do. Rafael Dos Anjos in the co-main event coming in against Michael Chiesa. Chiesa in here from Washington, the 15-4 and four fighter. He was actually 18th on the Forbes list for um, uh, most paid athlete in 2019. Chiesa was. Yeah, because of that Because Con- <laughs> <laughs> of that Connor. Because <laughs> he got paid. We heard that Connor money. That proper's from been that teaching him. That little tiny cut on his forehead. That <laughs> Rose hasn't been the same since. True. She lost her championship. True. Absolutely true. China so. won the whole war. Anyway. So, uh, in this fight. We have long time returning, 15 and 4, 155 pounder, moving up to 70. Chiesa getting a fight against Diego Sanchez. Then, as of late, he beat Carlos Condon in a arm bar straight up over his back. But Diego Sanchez and Condon, I, I know Diego's having a bit of a resurgence, kind of, right now, but still, I'm not betting either one of those guys for anything. I even had Kiesa against Condon, but it's because I'm fading Condon. At 70, Kiesa does look like he filled up, but his striking is still dog shit. Still not good. He has to get you to the ground. He has a good single and double and will scramble there, but... Even on the ground, he's been proven to be able to be neutralized. Diego Sanchez was able to do that. Where they got into scrambles and he did get on top more, but uh, he didn't look as killer as he used to early in his career when he was catching up a lot more triangles and stuff. It's just Chiesa is a specialist and that's getting to the ground. Dos Años is... A jack-of-all-trade, master of none, former champ at 55, moved up to 70, had multiple fights at 70. I feel like this fight, in a way, is kind of him versus Neil Magny, where it's the same type of length, same type of body type. And we saw what Dos Anjos did in that calf kick to a freaking north-south choke. But Dos Anjos here has been winning and losing to only the absolute best in there. Coming off of a loss to Leon Edwards, I mean Leon Scott, in there in a decision doesn't look so bad as of late 
beating Kevin Lee. Losing, Head case Kevin Lee. Losing to Usman in a decision and Lawler actually beating Lawler in a decision in there as well and losing to Covington in a decision. But all those guys I'd put in over Chiesa by a landslide. I feel like if Dos Anjos wants to keep this striking, he's going to be able to do what he wants there. If it goes to the ground, he's going to be able to do what he wants there as well. I feel like he's a stronger fighter, has the better cardio, and has been in longer five-round fights. This is a three-rounder, but I just don't see where Kiesa comes in as a threat. He's not going to rock Dos Anjos on the feet. Better strikers haven't been able to do that. And on the ground, he's not going to submit Dos Anjos. He's a world champion black belt multiple times over and shown it in the cage he's proven it by submitting and just getting out of he's ripped his own ear off Colby Covington ripped his ear off getting out of that guillotine and he, Dos Anjos kept fighting we know what we get with him and it's always a professional level Chiesa a bit of a head case as well again biggest payday to date is that proper money so I think that I don't know. I got just Dos Anjos everywhere. I think he's got the checks in every single position. Other than age, he is 35 and definitely has the worst miles because he's been in harder fights. Do you uh, think that uh, Kiesa even has any wrestling that Dos Anjos has to worry about? Because that's really the only weakness we see in Dos Anjos is his wrestling. Nope. I don't see that there's any. I mean, we don't have to worry about striking. Correct. Do you think, and it's only a three-round fight, so you don't even have to worry about any cardio. So it's either that uh, Michael Chiesa shows up right now, because we're only seeing him against the guys that were like, this guy is done. He should not be in the UFC anymore. And you think that the guys that Dos Santos is going against are like, all guys are at the top. Like, he's Winning like five. two fives. And yeah, Chiesa, Carlos Condon, not ranked. Diego Sanchez, not ranked. So, do you think the UFC is trying to get rid of uh, Michael Chiesa? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't think so because he's going to have many it, fights after but this. But don't you think it's a weird matchup in general? Eighteen and seven, like their rankings, <clears throat> like their play, like their actual welterweight rankings are so far apart. Like Dos Anjos is like you're saying, really at the top of the class. He's really there's like a bunch of wrestlers up there, and then him who's been doing the damn thing forever at one fifty five, getting a bunch five. of miles. We different than he probably has made the most comfortable transition to the one seventy out of the one fifty five. Was Cowboy Kevin Lee, uh, Michael Chiesa? Uh, didn't we see Michael Chiesa lose his first one? No, that wasn't Anthony Pettis. Wasn't and he's losing against Pettis. Dos Submission. Santos is a better uh, ground game than Pettis. Thank you. Um, You're talking yeah. it through. No, no, that's my only question to you was we don't have to worry about wrestling at all. Um, so, do you think it's a finish here? Or you just think? It goes I think it's going to be a decision. But if there's a finish, I think it's only Dos Anjos getting the finish. And you would like to say the game plan is there to beat Dos Santos, but Kiesa does doesn't not have the ability. Kamara Usman and Colby. Colby are not nearly as good on the ground as Kiesa. And you know, I fucking hate Michael Kiesa. I've been trying to fade this bitch forever. I can't believe he's won his last two fights. <laughs> but, but with that, Kiesa doesn't have those entries and exits on the takedowns and striking. Like, he doesn't have any of those attributes. He's just big and lanky. You know what? The number one thing for me, I, I actually am surprised that he, uh, Dos Santos is such a moderate favorite. 
favorite. I thought Michael Chiesa was going to be a favorite turning it on. I thought me and you were going to go with this guy that's lost fucking three of his last four Oh, fights. okay. I thought it was weird. I was like, I'm not you know, the favorite. I've never oh, picked oh, Chiesa, oh. but I didn't know he was such a favorite. I really thought off his win streak compared to Dos Anjos. I think other people like, see it. Uh, I just... Um, the Leon Edwards loss to me, Leon Edwards is so much better Top than Top five guy. That's why everyone is ducking. Leon Edwards should get the duck. Ducking award. He should have Leon Edwards duck blue right. check mark. Uh, but yeah, I just have Dos Anjos' decision here. I'm giving him a Michael Chiesa a little bit of respect that Dos Anjos just wears him out. But I think he could put total body work together to um, get Michael out of there. Um, I really, I was so surprised. I thought like, oh, the win streak of it. And I, you know, I don't like Carlos Condit. I don't, I thought he should be out for a while. And you know, I don't like Diego mm -hmm. Sanchez. I thought he should be out for a while. So I just thought Dos Anjos, everyone's going to have him as an underdog. He hasn't beat anyone in the last, you know, I forgot totally that he even fought Kevin Lee. I'm like, he hasn't even beat anyone. And I don't even know the last time he's beat someone. I thought his last win was against Robbie Lawler in two years ago. So I was like, there's no way Los Angeles is going to be a decision. I haven't picked him in so long. So anyway, I'm kind of never mind. I hyped you guys up. I thought it was going to be like, we're both going to have a good underdog here. It's going to be the business. Never mind. 73% of tapology has to Los Angeles. Decision, no less. Dos Anjos is going to be the big favorite. Minus 260 coming in at 8,900 on DraftKings against Chiesa's. 7,300 plus 200 underdog Chiesa. Feel like it's written on the wall. It'll be a surprise to me if Chiesa ends up coming through with this. It'll it be, really will it, be. It's going to be, I think, Dos Anjos' body work. Um, he has nasty uppercuts, crazy inside game. Michael Chiesa has zero kicks. The only thing Michael Chiesa can go for is, like you're saying, that's well, my only question, wrestling takedowns because of Dos Anjos. But if he doesn't have any of that, you can't teach a jiu-jitsu guy wrestling in eight months. So I'm like, okay, all right, I'm not worried about it because I that was the only thing. I never seen Dos Anjos just get peace. I'm like, this guy's over. This guy's over. And then the Kevin Lee, you got a little hope, but that was the worst Kevin Lee ever. So, yeah, never mind. Dos Anjos' decision, too. So then we move on. Are, are you going to play much of Dos Anjos yeah, for 8900 I think he does a lot of bag work on people. That's how I picture him, like a 73-pointer. I agree. He's active. And we have so many underdogs, so many 700 guys that I'm like, I feel like I'm going to be able to put three 9,000 and then stack them with a couple of 7,000. I might 7, do one weird card with Michael Chiesa, but it'll just be my weird card. Your one throwaway card yeah. to get it out of your system. Yeah. I need to implement that back into my game more. Damn. Definitely. Still bummed. I thought everyone would be like heavy fade on Dos Anjos. He's lost all his uh, last fights. I fight. wish. I wish because I would have picked. I hate still expanding it. it. Sometimes when I just, I'm like, oh, I know oh, what's going to happen gonna here. good. <laughs> no one's going to have it. I see the future. No one's going to have it. Never mind. Then we move on to the main event. 265 pounds. The big boys are coming in. We have Curtis Blades coming in against Junior Dos Santos dancing with the stars himself. The 21 and 6 fighter Dos Santos has formerly had the belt coming off of a knockout loss six months ago to Nganu via hooks in there. He was on a three fight winning streak. <coughs> Excuse me. Beating Derek Lewis. Beating even off in a decision in there. He is definitely a striker. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe a little whiskey. Maybe. So in there. If you need a sip, I can interview Cypress <laughs> family again. 
We have that on the back burner. Yeah, I have, I have asked him like you, two more questions. You, oh, good. Yeah, good, I even we're gonna have, have him doing those. a lap B plug. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I wonder how much that costed. Um, it was a, it was a free interview. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That must be good audio. Still... So, don't stop those. We can save it for next time. <laughs> we'll save it for when there's not a fight. Exactly. There yeah, you go. We should do a special. <laughs> so, Juju Dos Santos is a striker mainly. Good right hand. Good jab on him. Good kick. We'll throw an axe kick every once in a while. All right, take down the fence. I mean, you could say that some of his issues have been against grapplers and Cain Velasquez is notorious foil. As of late, the big power punches have been getting him to a little bit more because he's been a long-time veteran at 35 years old. A lot of people said those Cain Velasquez fights changed his life. He's fought seven more times since then, since his life changed already, since those brutal beatings. So, uh, But there's open coaches that are like, Sagano's never been the same since that Cain Velasquez number three. So Dos Anjos... Can't put it together against the Derek Lewis's, the Evenovs. I had him in Am those I spots. Am I to say he is the best uh, boxing at 265? No, I think you're absolutely right there. Great jab with a right down the middle as well. Good cardio footwork, but we know what we're getting with JDS. Mainly a striker. Jiu-Jitsu? No. It's just not happening. He just wants to keep it where he wants to, and that's boxing. One of the nicest guys you'll ever see. Some of the funnest tape. Always singing. Yeah! Always dancing. All right, let me sing. Okay, I'll try this one. Uh, and then he just smiles. He, though, he just before nose break, handsome motherfucker. He ain't bad looking now. But before his nose was all cockeyed, handsome, handsome, handsome. Not that looks matter, but, you know, we always talk about looks here at Labby. True. That's what the L stands for, looks. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> looks and... Lesbian. And Lesbo. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Lipsky. She's one of uh, E's favorite fighters. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, against coming in here against Curtis Blades, the 12 and 2, longtime prospect, only losing twice, once in the UFC, only to Francis Nganu. Actually, the only two yeah. losses are to Francis Ngannou. Both times, little secret, I'm going to fill you in here. I have only picked against Curtis Blades once. And it was in the first Ngannou fight. I picked Ngannou. Second fight, I picked Curtis Blades. Didn't work out for me so much. But uh, either way, I have been on the Curtis Blades you bandwagon. From the beginning. From day one. Said he was going to be a champ. His wrestling... Next level, he's coming out of that team elevation, which we just saw Drew Dober do all sorts of work out of there. He's been saying that they've had a crew of guys there for two years that have really been putting in the work. He's got heavyweights training with him. What I don't like about uh, Curtis Blades is that he gets hurt in every single one of the fights that I've watched tape on. Against Overeem, against, uh, who was it in there, Akdurahimov. Everyone is just, they will land, he will eat an uppercut, he'll leave a right hand to get in there on the legs. But once he's on the ground, he's so stifling with his top pressure. And now that he's actively throwing a lot more punches with his ground and pound, watch that Overeem fight. The whole fight, great fight. It's on free on uh, YouTube right now. Now, Curtis Blades, not only is he using his takedowns um, when he's 
lining his guys up from the outside, which his striking has gotten better. But there was a combination there where Curtis Blades landed a four punch combination and instead of going for seven punches he shot a double leg takedown and was doing that rinse and repeat against all of his opponents i think he does that a lot here but on the ground the elbows that he's implemented uh you could even just see overeem and everyone else all of a sudden they're not worried about what's happening with their hips because <coughs> he's freaking landing elbows Cypher on Zoom, the inside. He's coming up. tell me when to press it <laughs> so give me curtis blades TKO, round number four, I think it's with ground and pound. I think it's all of the takedowns that up. God, I'm going to be shitting my pants, though, here. Because Zinga and Dos Santos. Sanchos, Dos Santos. No, wait. Dos, Dos Santos. Santos. Dos Santos can crack. He's got a good uppercut, and he's got good boxing in there. And it only takes one. The only guy who's been able to put out blades has been Ngannou, which is next level worth of power. Dos Santos could land it. Give me Blades TK around number four. I think the wrestling is what is the beginning to the end, just like uh, Cain Velasquez. I think that's the blueprint. Take them down so that those power shots don't happen in the later round, and then it's just How a matter of time. How long ago was that Cain fight? Like six, seven years ago. Yeah, I can't even be included in New Dos Okay, Andrews. okay, okay. <laughs> no, I like everything you're saying, though. I actually have Curtis Blades to win by decision, and the only reason I think decision is I do think uh, fighting the hands on the takedown, he's going to be held up against the fence a little longer. If you look to the guys that he's just slaying and taking down over and over again, not like Overeem, but yeah, like Overeem, I think the takedown defense of uh, Dos Santos... What the hell? Dos Santos. Dos Santos right. is so much... I'm like, oh my gosh, there's too many dos. <laughs> yeah. Um, dos Santos is so much better than Overeem's. Um, he's just more well-rounded of a fighter than Overeem's kickboxer-esque self. I I, I uh, just think his uh, ring IQ in general I, is going to be a little more dangerous. That being said, I still think Curtis Blades is going to handle it. I think we're going to see upwards of six takedowns per round maybe even three but i do think dos santos is going to get back to his feet the first two rounds then the third round i have it going to decision i like what you're saying about the finish because i am waiting to see a progression of blades that we haven't really gotten to see um or you know like he's murking these other guys i'm just this is credit to dos santos right now more than it is a takeaway from Blades to go to decision. I just think we're going to see a grimy, boring fight by the end. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be... Uh, I, I, the term I've learned now from wrestlers or when you hear people talk about wrestling, uh, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. I think we're going to see a lot of that. And Dos Santos just trying to stay alive, waiting for the next round, trying to get back in there at the beginning of it. Uh, Curtis Blades avoids what he needs to, another takedown. So... Yep. Yeah, anyway, Curtis Blades. I, I think it's going to be a crazy two, like 50-46 kind of thing. I um, totally agree. I don't see maybe one round you can give. Yeah, there those. might be a round Curtis Blades, like in the third, where he decides to catch his breath and just stay at distance for the fight. Yep. After he already knows uh, Dos Santos's arms are lazy. After they get, because he's out grappling them. Yeah. Absolutely in there. But it's, there is, it's risks But I like what here. you're saying There's about the fourth. Risks. If I think he might take off the third, I like what you're saying about the fourth of him coming in hot, coming in for the heavier takedown, laying some nasty elbows. We're seeing actually the women's division work in this like nasty ground and pound game in a way that if these heavier guys, it's over so much quicker. So I would love to see that. I, I, I just think uh, the guys, um, 
usually defensively, their technique is so much more advanced uh, that when they're going against a wrestler, they're like, I've been here before. Whereas when we're seeing the ladies where they're advanced in the ground and pound and wrestling, the ladies that aren't advanced in that are just getting murked out. So I don't know. I'm excited about it. I'm finally... Uh-oh, this is going to scare some of our fans. I'm thinking of one specific fan from the UK when I say this. Or, you know what, I actually think of two fans when I say this. <laughs> when I say, I, I am going to jump on the Curtis uh, Blades uh, hype train. It's not even a hype train. It's a legitimate proven. And what's your rule? When you jump on, I know, they fall off. off. <laughs> I hope I'm not. I know. Don't do that to me. Don't put that evil I know, on me. But you know what? I think this is a secure enough train. This isn't something that you created this year. I've been on last it. last year. Uh, I've been You've been on talking it. about this since like 2016. You've been talking about this since we were Lesbo and the Bean and not being allowed in the algorithms because our name <laughs> was we Lesbo and the Bean. <laughs> so... Yeah. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the minus 250 favorite Curtis Blades. 9,000 even against Junior Dos Santos is 7,200 plus 195. A lot of people see a finish. A lot of people think it's probably going to be ground and pound is what I'm assuming. Hmm. That's what I, I think. Saying. I think you're totally right on that. I'm trying to give uh, Junior just a little credit and that American Top Team nudge in my head of like they know exactly what to expect. They know exactly what to expect. But gosh, if what you're saying is true, like nope, he's always a boxer. He never has ground game. This is always mm -hmm. how it goes. Yep. Then if it is a lot like the Kane thing, I could totally see elbows finishing by the. Th then why even take so long as the fourth? I could see, I could, I could totally change your way by it, but I do not see a win for Dos Santos anywhere. That's what, that's kind of what I'm seeing. It's a comfortable bet. I think this is where all the underdogs come into play, so you can afford Curtis Blades. I feel like I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably only go twenty percent on Curtis Blades. I'm not that sold just because uh, Dos Santos is definitely very high up there. Curtis Blades will very be my linchpin. And he will be everywhere. Oh wow! Okay. On my wow. Fights. I actually think uh, this is what the underdogs are for. Just the amount of takedowns right. and how smart he is. Uh, he plays his points where he needs to. Averages uh, ninety-one points in DraftKings. Smart, smart, smart. With only two losses against Dos Santos's eighty points average. Which isn't bad as well. It was hard for me to get on the Curtis Blades bandwagon because way back when, if you're an old school listener, uh, Curtis Blades and Nganu kind of came in at a similar time. Yep. And I took Nganu and he took Curtis Blades and I got this rise that he eventually had to come on my thing. And I was like, yeah, look at me picking the hot one. But, you know... It, in the grand scheme of things, that was hot, hotter, hotter, brighter light. And Ngannou's doing good things now. By far. But Curtis, uh, Curtis Melinda, Curtis Blades has been laying just steady work the whole time, steadily climbing to the top. It's almost like heavyweight could be. You got to give him a little bit of credit without the two knockouts, obviously, being in there by the same dude that just ha happened to have his number. But that's where you're saying Dos Santos going in for a takedown uppercut. He is nasty uppercut. He has that and he has power. That's why I I gotta go twenty to ten percent blades. I'm not gonna put well, I I'm gonna put a couple, I'm gonna hedge my bets here in Santos because if he gets a win, it's a finish. It, he's not winning a decision. It's gonna be a knockout finish mm. if Dos Santos. Yeah, so I like one I'm gonna go ten and ten. Nasty little card. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ten and ten percent, but I but I'm going to go heavy on spots. Curtis Blades. I'm finally going to go heavy on Curtis Blades. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm just want to uh, send out love to the other podcasts that do the Fight Pick Championship with us. Uh, you guys are awesome. Good luck in 2020 uh, with all your podcasts and listeners. And I can't wait to do some crossing of the streams or joining as guests. And we will come together as a pair or separate. Maybe maybe you want a little knowledge. Maybe you want a little asshole. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what you're looking for Yeah, I don't know what you're looking for. <laughs> but I want to send out love to all those people and make sure you're liking and subscribing and following them, blah. But I I also, um, all of our listeners and fans that are still sticking around and pressing play every week, uh, just love in the year. It's that clear vision. I got that 2020 vision. Let me!